time to ham up. Oh my god, I really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! The power of Conchu compels you to listen to After the Credits, a Yum Chunks podcast with me, Ryan Davis, your host, talking about Moon Knight, the latest Marvel uh, Disney Plus show. And with me to talk about this show is Sean Davis. I am one of the avatars of ancient gods. Oh, man. Are you the fish avatar <laughs> i'm a god of uh mouse wheels it's an important god to be it is um <laughs> we also have the god avatar of something to be named aaron wheeze welcome hey, aaron. i'm here yeah thanks for having me guys i'm the god avatar of screaming babies that's the sound you heard earlier <laughs> Actually, oh, no, now I can't edit it out. It has to stay in. <laughs> that is probably the, one of the most fearful gods. I mean, yep. the sounds of baby screaming is like just yeah, perpetuates yeah. fear inside of people. Yes. We all know. Exactly. It cro- yeah, it, cro- it trans- transcends borders, cultures. Just every everyone knows that you know what that means. Um, but welcome back. When was the last time you were on, Aaron? Um, I think number two, actually. I. Now, I know I did the game one. I think I did Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah, but did, didn't like, you and Chris do... also do a Devil May Cry after that or something? I, I was like, I thought I did a Devil May Cry before that. And then I was like, Oh, I, I think. A show or a movie? That's what I, I think thinking. I remember. It was, were, were you on for Mortal Kombat? I was on for Mortal Kombat. That's right. That's okay. I think that was the last thing. Yeah, that was last year mm-hmm. for Mortal Kombat. That's right. There we are. Um, well. <laughs> Yeah, fun. Uh, this is well, it's not really that close to Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> there is some punching involved. Uh, yeah, I could That's see true. Moon Knight being in a Mortal Kombat game. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I actually could too. Actually, I'm curious. You know, there's the Capcom versus Marvel games where they all they do throw in a lot of obscure characters. That would be a fun character for those games. I don't I don't play them. I so think I'm not he was in actually Marvel versus Capcom two Moon Knight. Oh, he was. Um, oh, awesome. But I think he was like wasn't like a playable character. They have like uh, little characters that come out and do like a special attack for a second. I think uh, he was one of those yeah. guys. I think the random yeah. bullshit go meme was like basically what he did. Uh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, he's the I guess the assist trophy of mm-hmm. Marvel vs. Capcom. <laughs> uh, well, that's something. Especially, I'm sure years ago when that came out, who no one knew and no one knew who he was at the point. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now everyone knows. <laughs> yes, the secret's out. All right. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I can't wait to start talking about the show. I'm really curious to see what you guys thought of it. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about what we've been up to. In the form of chunk fires, um, uh, Aaron, you're our, our our guest. Why don't you tell us what you've been up to most recently, besides um, with bearing and enduring the screams of small children? Well, besides that, um, I've been watching a lot of shows at home. Uh, we haven't like uh, last movie I saw was in theaters was Multiverse of Madness, but then I also just recently rewatched it. On Disney Plus, and um, I feel like that still holds up. 
But uh, beyond that, I've uh, been watching a lot of the Netflix stuff that came back. Um, Umbrella Academy, season three, finished all of that. Um, season four, Stranger Things, both parts, finished all of that. Um, I quite enjoyed both of those. Uh, also, um, what's I doing? Yes, we've been catching up on Orville. That's been really good. Uh, this new season, the new New Horizon on Hulu. I'm really enjoying that. Um, along with uh, started just started season two of Only Murderers in the Building, and that's oh, nice. uh, that. I I really like that first season, and I feel like they've kind of hit the ground in a good pace in the second season so far. Uh, still kept that humor, um, whatnot, like that a lot. And uh, oh, good. Other than that, um, playing a lot of video games. I decided to go back and play some of the From Software games I didn't beat after I uh, beat Elden Ring. So I finished uh, Bloodborne. I actually played Dark Souls Remastered, which I never played. I played the original and Dark Souls 3 and never played 2, but I was like, oh, let me see what this remastered one's all about. And then I'm on Sekiro right now, and that is pain. <laughs> Far worse than the other ones. Um, but, uh, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I haven't played Sekiro. I, I, I feel like I ha- it has garnered even a reputation in the From Software games for being, you know, setting itself apart. Um, I played all the other From Software except for Dark Souls Two, but I barely got anywhere in any of them. I always <laughs> hit a wall, not even that far into the games. But I just like. I don't know. It's not even that it's that it's that hard, even though they obviously are have that do have that reputation. Mm-hmm. I just whatever reason, it's just like something else distracts me. Some other shiny thing distracts me. But I have played them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they're one of those things that I think uh, it's like you have to do like one of the two, one or two things. It's either you have to get good as everyone likes to meme yeah. about, or you really just have to take time to grind away until you get to a spot that. It's a little uh, yeah. more forgiving, but I mean, who always has the time to do that kind of thing? Um, and oh, and then I I do remember I I played the PS5 remake of Demon Souls, which actually was a really nice upgrade um, for the original. Um, yeah, just graphically and gameplay wise in general. Yeah, same. I same thing. I started that one, got got a couple hours in, and never went back to it. I think <laughs> it was right when PS5 came out, though, so I was playing other things. Oh, yeah. Ryan, you were just saying that you you played neo did you have you played neo aaron no i haven't i keep seeing reviews for it and a lot of hype on it and uh i'm just kind of waiting to get to it but uh yeah yeah it's not a, i don't know if it's i guess it's not from software it's, it's team ninja team ninja yeah, though, right? so yeah. it's not t- but it's it's essentially a from software game mm-hmm. yeah it, it pretty much is it's they just cloned it and added their own little bells and whistles it has a lot more mechanics um, and like we'll say combos, like combos and different moves and different techniques and a bunch of different co- types of weapons with their own combos and blah 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 blah. Hmm. So they just layered mechanics on top oh. of what From Software has to offer. So if you like that and it is you know it has the, a very Eastern feel to it, you know, just because you're like a samurai type dude, mm-hmm. um, it'll appeal to you. And I, I thought it was it was. It was pretty good, pretty fun, and I mean, kind of just adding to what you guys were saying in terms of difficulty and whatever. To me, it's not so much that it's like it's difficulty; it just requires patience. Yeah. And a lot of times, those guys, those kinds of games, it's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, I just, I don't, 
I don't get when I play them. I don't get frustrated or anything. I have no emotional attachment to anything I'm doing. I just say okay, and I just say, well, I will eventually get this, and I just keep and I just keep mm-hmm. pushing forward. Which yeah. to me, it takes a lot of the fun <laughs> out of video gaming uh, for me. I, I don't know. It's I have an interesting relationship with those games, um, and. I don't know. I mean, but anyway, if Aaron, if you're obviously a fan, I think you would yeah. like Neo quite a bit. Uh, no, just I'll have to check it out. And like I said, I've seen a lot of hype about it, and uh, a lot of people are talking about um, and comparing it to From Software games, but, you know, adding that, yeah, there's layered mechanics and there's other things like that that, um, from my understanding, make it a little bit more forgiving or accessible, which I'm all for, because I, I think the thing is, is like, yeah, it's it's got to be fun. And again, I think really the only thing is, end up being fun for me through some software games because I've uh, just been playing them all for so long kind of thing instead of, you know, yeah. Uh, so I've gotten used to the mechanics of playing them, but uh, my second gotcha. row so such pain is because it's very different from the other ones. Mechanics aren't quite the same. And it's like, yeah, you still got to memorize the rhythms and the patterns and all that kind of stuff like you normally do. Um, and eventually you'll get it and eventually overcome, but it's like, well, there's no magic. There's like no way to boost individual stats. There's like that kind of stuff that's a little bit more um, difficult. Like they really almost force you to actually just try to get better at the core mechanics of the game. Cool. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sounds interesting. I'll watch some YouTube videos of it. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> uh, well, cool. That sounds like uh, despite the the baby uh definitely been able to keep your hands full with controllers if not uh crying humans yep (laughs) cool uh well yeah um sean what do you got going on a couple things i haven't actually done much i've been working a lot last couple weeks so i don't have actually a lot of a lot of new movies or shows or games i've been playing the only thing two quick things is i finished boys Oh, I finished that too. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, Which, uh, or not season two, season three. Yeah. Um, Which is, was awesome. Uh, Man, the show is so good. It's, it, I I think it gets better, but it also is just so good throughout that, you know, Mm -hmm. season one and season two are still, you know, awesome. But um, it does a great job of just like being awful in, in, in not like quality, but just like the content is just like, God, these, the world is so awful, and these some of these characters, a lot of these characters, are so <laughs> awful, and it's hard to watch, and you hate it. But it's also done so well that it's so captivating and so funny, and the characters that you do like, you love, and it it just somehow, despite all the just like dread and hopelessness that that world entails, it still kind of finds a way to walk the line between or not being so hopeless and just masochistic and nihilistic and kind of finding the hope and like the goodness in this world. And it's impossible not to draw. I mean, you don't even have to draw the uh, metaphors to our own reality. It's basically blatant how just like, (laughs) yeah, the world is awful. Look at how these things are so bad. Uh, Um, And it's somehow weirdly just like, yeah, okay. If you know this world, which is a slightly worse version of our own world. And they're somehow able to like, figure out how to deal and live and all that stuff you know maybe we could do the same in ours yeah i would almost argue that 
there that world is not any worse than ours is it's just that world has superheroes yeah oh yeah, yeah. that's a really good way to put it yeah, absolutely that is. um yeah i won't get into spoilers because you know people may not be listening but there's definitely things in this season that are well it's it's always been the case but that are specifically just like yeah this is this is you're just like reenacting this thing that happened in real life and yeah remember that remember that <laughs> grand old time when this thing happened that was awful and anyways so mm-hmm. um yep. so yeah definitely recommend though for boys boys season three and all the boys um and then the only other thing I really kind of was dabbling in, and mainly it's because I could put it on while I was working and stuff, and that I've been watching the latest GDQ that game's done mm-hmm. quick. Um, Ryan and I kind of talked about this a little bit already, but yeah, just kind of, it's always something whenever the season comes around or the new event comes around, um, kind of throw on and check out what people are playing and the cycles of what games they're going through this year. Um, there's always classics, but there's always new stuff, so it's always kind of Oh, I've I've never watched this game before. I never watched this game before. Um, it it continues to kind of like grow beyond just speedrunning, and oh, grows not even maybe the right word. It like kind of takes <laughs> half the things they do on GDQ now. Don't really know if it's even about speedrunning anymore. It's just like here, look at this weird, crazy thing that we do. <laughs> and in the in the context of we have nowhere else to showcase this, so I guess it's on GDQ. Um, but but it's still just like I'm still yeah. more of just kind of a classicist classicist classes I don't know whatever where it's just I like to see classic games legitimately run really really well by people who just are really good and passionate about that game um, and know it so well um, the the crazy glitch runs are kind of a, a curiosity and kind of wacky and fun and then there's even more extreme cases that I just don't get at all. But. Anyways, Ryan, like I said, Ryan and I have talked about it. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw in, I, I like the Super Castlevania or Castlevania mm-hmm. 4 or whatever race. I think that was that was fun. Mm-hmm. And followed by the Harmony of Dissonance Castlevania run. I thought we were both two more classic-ish yeah. kind of runs. Just kind of knowing the game so well, they can... They can blitz through it. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll call out a couple. I I like the Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze run. It was by a really kind of well-known runner, Vegito, who's just kind of fun to watch. Yeah, Spike Vegito. Good Spike Vegito. He's good personality. And also also, that type of run is it showcases like just like under you, you start to understand the game and revealing like all these things that are happening that if you're just playing the game, you know, for fun, you have no idea about like just the momentum building and how that, you know, the different small mechanics and the small intricate details that from what watching the game, it seems like, you know, the programmer, you know, designers built into the game that mm-hmm. most people are not even aware of. Um, and then a classic that I liked was Fantasy X speedrun, which they did in like four hours, which was like a glitch list. So it was like a legit full run for the most part. Oh, gosh. And, uh, which, yeah, I mean, if you like Final Fantasies, which I do, it's just kind of fun to watch them and just figure out, like, they're not leveling up, really, not as much as a normal player would. So just, like, really optimizing, like, knowing how many battles to fight, knowing exactly which sphere grid power-ups to get, knowing exactly 
um, when to run from fights or the exact specific moves to optimize fights. <laughs> and then when they're playing bits blitz ball, when you have to play blitz ball, like <laughs> the quickest way to play through the blitz ball game. Yeah, it, was just, <laughs> it was just fun. That's cool. So, uh, but yeah, that that's what I got. Those are my chunk. Those are my chunks. That's my chunk suit. I summoned my chunk suit, and now I give it to Ryan to summon his. My my chunk suit is a um, very dapper, uh, you know, business suit. He's a Mister. He's um, a Mister Chunk. Yeah, Mister yeah, <laughs> Chunk. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I yeah, and. Yeah, in addition to watching some of the shows that you guys have mentioned and playing some games, um, which I won't really... I, I guess I, I did want to maybe spend just a couple of minutes talking about my Nepal trip. I think for the most part, those who were most interested in, in hearing about it have already uh, sort of you know talked to me and asked detailed questions. So for those who I haven't spoken with, just to kind of give, give a little synopsis of the adventure I went on. Uh, but, or the month for the month of May, for the entirety of the month of May, I went to Nepal to hike to the Everest Base Camp. Um, so the what the journey kind of looks like is you get you know you get um, your your guides who will guide you up the mountain and kind of tell you what to do and how to hike and how to what equipment to bring and all all those kinds of things. And so you, you you work your way up the mountain um, through the you know over the course of several weeks. It takes about ten days to get to base camp, stopping each night at a different like tea lodge um, as you go up the mountain. Um, and uh, you know you're hiking six seven hours a day, so it's 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 not you know it's it's pretty you know a lot of endurance, but nothing is terribly you know on its own super difficult. Um, uh, but anyway, you know, you get up there and then it's amazing. You get to the base camp and it's kind of everything you thought it would be, except you can't see Mount Everest, which is kind of ironic because it's you're almost like too close to it because there's other mountains that are sort of blocking the way, um, uh, the view of it. Anywho, so you, yeah, and then you make your way back down over the course of a couple, another couple weeks or so. So, um, but anyway, I just wanted to kind of like uh, just give kind of like some interesting impressions of, you know, just what it's like being up there. Of course, you're at whatever it is. I don't remember how many, what the elevation is now. <laughs> but, you know, 15,000 feet, 17,000, yeah, 17,000 feet or whatever. So there's no oxygen. Um, and and you're, you're hiking up with the course of all these weeks because your body needs to acclimate, you know, produce these blood cells so you can actually live up there. Um, it's an interesting feeling of kind of just not having oxygen and still having to kind of live. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a, it was just an amazing trip. Obviously all the views, all these mountains. So it's like, everything's just, you just can't even believe you're just surrounded by the most, you know, beautiful, crazy mountains you could ever imagine. Um, and just like one little interesting note is like, you don't, you know, you, if you looked outside your window right now and just looked at the sky, you say, okay, yeah, that's the sky. There's a lot of, there's a lot of it. But you don't really realize how much real estate, three-dimensional real estate, the sky compromise or uh, comprises until it's filled with mountains. I don't know how to like. It's it's a weird sensation, and you're like, okay, Ryan, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But it it's kind of like, especially in California, where there are a good amount of hills. They call them hills. Yeah. We don't we don't have mountains in California. 
even like Whitney, they laugh at and say, that's, that's cute. That's a cute little hill you have there, you guys. Um, but when you're constantly just surrounded by these insane mountains, you're like, oh my gosh, like the sky is gigantic. There's so much room in the sky and we're down here fighting over two-dimensional two real estate. Um, but, but anyway, it's just, it's an interesting, and just kind of like, it, I think maybe the reason I'm sort of mentioning this is because it, it sort of reinvigorates that, that sense of wonder that especially you, you kind of have as a kid, um, about like venturing out into the wilderness. Like there's a, a sense of mystery and just, and just discovery and adventure. And I would say danger. I think danger is maybe, a, 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 maybe the, almost the biggest component of, of mystery and wonderment is that there's this unknown that is potentially bad or dangerous. And I think as we get older, or at least for me, and you do more of these excursions and hikes and stuff that, that the danger kind of goes away maybe because of overconfidence and just, especially in California, you know, as long as you take care of yourself, you're not, you know, most hikes and stuff aren't really a, a mortal danger. Whereas Going to Everest Base Camp, and that's just Base Camp, never mind actually trying to summit any of these peaks, it does present a certain sense of danger, right? That, that's You can get altitude sickness. We definitely, my trek definitely encountered, had our run-ins with altitude sickness, either other other hikers or within our group and, and that kind of thing. So anyway, I, I just, I thought it was like something for me, at least personally, that kind of, it, it actually reminded me of, um, you know, uh, Miyamoto says like, his, you know, the Legend of Zelda was inspired by, as a child, kind of venturing out into, into his outdoors and wilderness where he grew up, and kind of trying to capture that sense of mystery and danger and and bewilderment that uh, that comes from doing so as a child. And so Zelda was trying to capture that. Anyway, the point of what I'm trying to say is that I think Zelda 2, The Adventures of Link, captures <laughs> that feeling better than any other Zelda game since. So there you Accurate. go. Yes. Especially better than Breath um, of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I just I decided to squeeze that in there. <laughs> Important. When when you're like hiking between these little villages and stuff, each time like you said stopping at like tea houses mm. and i assume larger communities than just like a little tea house though maybe some of them are just that what some is yeah. like like the path you're on is the path like a is it like a highway of sorts in that like there's constant traffic with other walkers and this is how people get between those villages like how are other people getting to these little villages the the locals and stuff right Not, you know. it, it's interesting that you yeah there's because there's so many things like that so many questions that you could ask that center around what is the sherpa culture and i don't even know if culture is i mean almost like this socioeconomic infrastructure and when i say infrastructure when you're asking about the trails there are there are no wheels okay there's there's no carts there's no it's like the star wars universe everyone own that's a good point actually um uh which is why BB-8 is sacrilegious. No, I was kidding. Um, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> but everything is done by foot. Everything, when you're talking about well, how did they get all this material material equipment up the mountain? Because all the buildings are built from these huge stone blocks. Well, how did they get these up here? How did they get this wood up here? How did they get... 
and I can show you pictures. It's all these porters hauling it up on their backs. And, you know, there's what they're hauling up there probably weighs two to three times what they weigh. Um, there are mules or more likely uh, like yaks, right? There's a lot of <laughs> yaks that we see and that that may, that comprises the Shawnees of the traffic. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's you expect like maybe bicycles. Nope. We, I saw yeah. one bicycle the entire time. Yeah. Um, and I only ever saw, I think, maybe one person riding a horse. And I believe that person had gotten altitude sickness and was being uh, ferried his way back down the mountain. Um, but otherwise, there's, you know, no one riding on horseback. No one. There's no bikes, no motor vehicles of any kind. Um, now, the trail is well maintained. Like, it is. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like you it's plenty wide there's plenty of room and there's um you know there's stone steps when there's when it's needed and those kinds of things so it's a well-maintained trail but yeah there's it's all done by foot it's just human human labor huh that's crazy but i mean so but the trail that you walked is that the only way to get to these villages yeah it's pretty pretty much i mean like i could show uh, you a okay. map and then there's yeah. you know there's like loops here and there and like other yeah. little but yeah, it's pretty much just one, yeah, okay. one thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it was it was quite an adventure. It's, like, definitely loved being up there and just kind of meeting other other trekkers and hearing their little stories how how and why they decided to do this crazy thing. Um, and um, yeah, I wish. Yeah, in a way, it's kind of like I wish I never had to come back and just I could just because you'd get into this rhythm of just you don't have to worry about anything else. You're, you're being kind of taken care of and you just get to spend every day just basking in amazing nature and just hiking and stuff. And you, since you're hiking all the time, you eat like three meals a day, but you never really gain any weight. And that's, that's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, eat whatever yeah. you want. Um, and the the expedition or like the program you went on, it was how many other like people were with your Yeah, so it was me and four others who were friends of mine. And then there was uh, two, um, we had three porters, and then two uh, and then three guides who are all Sherpas. Um, they're you know the of the mm-hmm. Sherpa people. And I guess, yeah, I didn't mention it, but our expedition was actually being led by, uh, his name is Tashi uh, Tenzing, and he is the grandson of Tenzing Norgay, the first man to ever summit Everest in 1953. So kind of uh, pretty prestigious. He was sort of a local celebrity. Anywhere we went, people knew who he was. He knew who they were. Um, He's also very well acquainted with the mountaineering community. So any of the big guys, the big names that you might watch movies about or... Uh-huh. you know reinhold mesner or um ed vistas or uh you know any of these other big names yeah, he knows them he's met them he's hiked with them and stuff so it's yeah he was kind of, it's kind of a big deal and you know he's a nepalese and he's really a big proponent of bringing up the nepalese people and trying to bring about education he has different educational foundations he has i think seven or eight schools throughout the the uh the eastern Nepalese hillsides and stuff. So, yeah. He's a great guy. He's, he's a friend of mine now. 
That's cool. I mean, could he get you another uh, another expedition for free and all your friends? Uh, just... <laughs> but for free, <laughs> but he definitely his what I mean. We went through his like his company. He doesn't do a lot of expeditions yeah. nowadays because he's too busy, you know, being, being an entrepreneur story. or another. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, he has a coffee plantation now that he's maintaining, and he's opening up all these. Um, these uh, hotels sort of up all, up uh, up and down the ridge, and they're kind of like the more quote-unquote high-end ones. They're really nice. Mm-hmm. In fact, one we got to visit that he was building, and we got to visit the site and kind of talk with the different, the foreman and stuff, and and uh, they were trying to figure out how to like build the lounge, actually, and we were there, and he... And I was interested, so I started looking over the, the blueprints, and I'm not a structural engineer or anything like that. But then I, I, they started like asking me questions, like, "Oh, what does this measurement mean?" And I was like, "Uh, I don't. Why are you guys asking me?" <laughs> so anyway, I got into, I kind of got pulled in. It's partly my own fault, but and I, I was like converting all the units for them because it was like, because they were like, "Oh, is this in inches?" And I was like, "Um, uh, let me see." And so I anyway, I figured it out, and everything. All the measurements for some reason were in millimeters, and I told them how to convert that to to feet. Because actually, they're, uh-huh. but the thing is, they were on the metric system, and it was a weird thing where they was. So I told them how to convert all the numbers if they needed to. Like, so all the measurements that you have in your blueprints that the engineer gave you guys are all in millimeters. So if you need to convert that for what you need to tell your workers, they here's how you do the conversions and stuff. So mm. anyway, it was like this whole thing, and so I was kind of like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. I had I got to participate in helping them build the uh <laughs> the lodge I don't know. uh that's awesome uh yeah, that's pretty cool what what like so how do they have infrastructure up there like like electricity and piping and plumbing and and the internet or you yeah know, it, if it's, they even it, have you know what i mean like, no it, it's it's it is quite amazing there they have as much infrastructure as they do and i don't mean that as like a that sounds sort of condescending but it we you know we were trying to figure it out that's to say me and the, the Western yeah. folks I went up there with, and we're all more or less engineers. So we were like, okay, how does, because there is internet service almost almost all the way to base camp. In fact, there might've been at base camp. We just, we weren't aware mm. of it. But, yeah. and so we were trying to like, okay, are, is there just like constant, like battery powered um, Wi-Fi repeaters on all the yaks that are going up and down the mountain <laughs> and they're just pinging, you know, daisy chaining <laughs> off each other? Because yeah. we couldn't quite figure out how they were doing it. But you can pay for internet, and you and it's the service is pretty. You, so you pay by gigabyte. You pay like it's oh, ten. Yeah. It's like ten bucks, and you get I don't know like fifty gig, gigabytes for the, and it's good at any of the lodges that you go up. So if you as you're making oh, up okay. you, every night that you stay at a place, chances are it will have the I forget what it was called the Yeti, or yeah. Ever, Everest Link. I think it was called. Yeah, I think that's what it was called. But anyway. I didn't do that because I was on vacation. Why would I want to be on the internet when I was on vacation? <laughs> um, yeah, so um, we don't ex- exactly know how they had internet, but they did. And also, all the Sherpa had phone s- cell service. We did not. And so, and we we're asking yeah. them about that. We were at, we had asked like our one of our guys like, "Hey, how do you how do we get on that network?" And they're like, "No, this is the Sherpa network." Only us. This is only for us. <laughs> like, oh, okay, all right. Um, but in terms of power, um, they there is some hydropower up there. We definitely, you know, they definitely have that. There's a lot of solar panels. They get a lot of good solar up there. Um, they they do heating through yak pies. They dry, like you know, yak dung. They 
dry it out and they have a way of treating it so it doesn't smell or whatever they use that for heating um for cooking they do have to haul up propane or some kind of gas we're pretty sure is propane hmm. um so they've yeah they figured it out they i mean but they're still very like living um kind of only what they need you know what i mean they're not there's not a lot of luxuries i don't mm-hmm. uh we there was one lodge that had a tv um because it was the there was actually interesting little fun fact toss in here the week one of the, the i think it was the last weekend or no it was well whatever it was one of the weekends where we were there they were holding the first annual or the the first ever local elections because nepal has a very interesting oh. political history that i became aware of while i was there um and there was a lot of from what i've heard there's a lot of corruption um and that kind of thing so they're in their I think it's going to be a long road from what I've heard for them kind of to modernize or that's mm-hmm. not, maybe, try to, you know, try to clean up their political system and that kind of thing. But anyway, they, they held their first uh, local elections. And during the process of all that, we, um, they had their first ever, we'll call it Western weekend. Uh, it used to be that they only had one day off a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, but now that like the last weekend they were there was their first ever two day weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, wow. so, oh. Yeah. It was, it was just like a fun, I don't know, like a fun thing for them. And just, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to maybe equate the cultures. Um, they're definitely, you know, third world and they rely yeah. on seven, something like 70% of their income comes from tourism. So they've been mm-hmm. hurting since COVID. So they're, mm-hmm very happy to to see us westerners there but uh anyway yeah um i mean i could obviously i like i said i could we could talk about this for quite a while uh if i wanted to but uh i think yeah this is the big takeaways where it's it's an absolutely beautiful country if you ever get the chance to go there um and explore the mountains um and even Kathmandu is a fun town um definitely you know in the, the, the people of all, all of throughout Nepal are just very friendly, very warm, um, very smiling, very smiling faces. Um, they uh, not, you know, and just, and just as comparison with, again, Westerns, like we comparatively, quote unquote, unhappy despite our, fi- our like, physical material wealth. Right. Mm-hmm. So just, mm-hmm. I don't know, just one of those things that always is a good thing for me anyway, to reflect on what I have and, and all these video games should be making me happy is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Uh, That's yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, we could always have a recurring segment, Ryan's netball um, corner every episode. And you could just kind of always just give us little tidbits. Yeah. Cause there's (laughs) a lot of bits to be tiddling about. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, awesome. I yeah, definitely heard. I feel like every time you talk about it, at least when I'm around, I you you talk about different aspects of it though. So it's still always you know really interesting. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, cool. Um, I think that uh, that last segment there got the chunk fire burning pretty hot. So I think we're ready to talk about the Moon Knight, starring Oscar Isaac. Uh, it's true. Moon Knight. Um, what better time to talk about Moon Knight than three months after it <laughs> finishes? Well, we had to wait for a full moon. I think it's a full moon tonight. 
<laughs> yes, and ignored the previous two full moons that happened. Correct. Yes. Uh, the right, is the it right full moon tonight, though? Uh, I think it was. I think it is, or maybe it was last night. Oh, that's cool. Well, fun. Who knows? Maybe we will all morph into. Not that he needed to be a full moon for him to morph into moon. Night. Oh, dang no. it! It's tomorrow night. Shoot, sorry. Uh, so close. Well, we'll just have to record for twenty-four straight hours. Perfect. Um, then you can't talk about Nepal, right? <laughs> Go ham. Um, <laughs> Or I'll start into the summary, and maybe that'll get us partway there. Um, yeah, so uh, spoilers for Moon Knight, and as always with Marvel stuff, probably spoilers for the MCU at large. Um, we, as of recording, well, yes, as of recording and airing, Thor has come out, but we will not talk about Thor. So at least you could rest sure that we will not spoil Thor, but everything else is potential fair game in the Marvel Universe. So um, just, yeah. Fair spoiler warning, but uh, yeah, so what happened in Moon Knight? Uh, Six-episode series seems to be the pattern for these Marvel shows now. Um, This show is about Stephen Grant. He's a quirky, nerdy, awkward British guy who works in the British Museum in London. He's kind of a lowly guy. He he likes Egyptology, but uh, he's kind of a lower-rung kind of uh, gift shop clerk. Um, but weird stuff starts, he's kind of has weird psychological issues where he sleepwalks and, um, quirky other things going on. Um, he will black out for long periods of time, not go, not know what's happening. And during one of those episodes, he wakes up in the Austrian Alps and having no idea how he got there, what's going on. People are chasing him. He's being hunted. There's a cult. Ethan Hawke's there. There's murder. He has no idea what's going on. He has a voice inside of his head. Does he have split personality disorder? Who's kind of telling him what to do? It's panic. It's crazy. He blacks out. Um, and there's some sort of scarab involved that people are hunting for. Somehow he blacks out. He wakes back up in London. Doesn't know what's going on. Thinks not even sure if any of it was real. Um, but weird stuff starts happening or continues to happen to him in London. People act strange around him, acting as if he's met them before um one night late in the museum he gets attacked by some weird creature doesn't know what's going on um and he listens to the voice in his head who says you gotta you gotta give me control you gotta give me control and he does and then he turns into moon knight and he's a cool like ninja guy with like a hood and like a weird like cool sword scythe weapon thing um so uh, he finds out that actually there's he shares the body with someone else. He is his. Oh, by the way, this guy's name is Stephen Grant, this awkward, quirky British guy. He shares a body with a guy named Mark Fellows. Doesn't uh, has no idea what's going on or why this is the case. Uh, Mark, but Mark Fellows. Or, sorry, what did I say? Yes, Fellows. Fellows. Uh, Mark Spector. Why did yeah. I say Fellows? Yeah, Spark. <laughs> Mark Spector. I think I knew someone. I used to work with someone <laughs> named Mark Fellows. I think that's what I said. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Mark Spector. Um, and uh, Mark Spector is like some secret agent, CIA or something. Um, but uh, he has this deal with, apparently, this Egyptian god who gives him these powers. And he is the avatar for this Egyptian god. And, of course, Grant or uh, Stephen Grant is just confused and along for the ride, doesn't know what's going on. Um, Mark is trying to kind of convince him to just let him have control. He could take care of it. They get into a big fight um, in London. 
Uh, Ethan Hawke shows up again. His name is Harrow, and he's this leader of this cult who is worships this exiled Egyptian god named Amit, who wants to basically purge all evil from the world. Even if someone hasn't done evil yet, but they will do evil, they deserve to die. And Harrow will be the avatar for them and, and you know, or for Amit and kill them all. Um, so obviously our good guys can't let that happen. Um, so they go on a grand adventure to Egypt to start tracking or hunting down this Amit, this ancient god, the, the place where she's in, imprisoned. Um, they get into wacky adventures with some weird rich person on a horse farm or a ranch or something, I think, at one point. Um, oh, also, uh, Mark, Mark's estranged wife shows up, Layla, who has no idea about Stephen Grant. And she just thinks that Mark left her and doesn't know what's going on, that he has been lying to her. Um, so you have a crazy, wacky dynamic between the three of them and Mark and, and Stephen shifting in and out of the body. Um, they have crazy adventures, Indiana Jones style. They investigate a tomb, There's zombie things. They have to solve puzzles like an escape room. And then Harrow shows up and kills him. He shoots him and he's dead. Mark and Steven are dead. They wake up in an insane asylum, and uh, Ethan Hawke's there, and he's like, "Man, this this is all just in your imagination. You're just you just have these delusions. You're really this is this is the real reality. You're in this insane asylum. This is reality. All that other stuff you've made up." And I'm like, well, what? Well, that's not true, is it? Right? And then a crazy hippopotamus god comes and says, "Look, I'm taking you to the afterlife. You're dead. This is the way to the afterlife. But you got to like." You gotta balance your soul, otherwise you're not gonna get into heaven or the Egyptian equivalent of heaven, whatever it's called, the Elysium Fields. But it's not that because that's Greece. Like uh, field of Reeds, I think. Field of Reeds. There we go. That's the magic, beautiful place. Um, so they kind of are going back through their history. They they uncover these psychological traumas with that Mark experienced as a kid, um, and you find out that Mark was had a brother tragic backstory um that his mom abused him and to kind of cope with all of this mark created steven and he, steven is really just a creation of mark as kind of like this this whipping boy of sorts to for him to kind of like escape into so he does not have to experience any of this pain and torture and abuse from the world around him and mark realizes kind of obviously is shocked and not happy about that, but also realizes like, well, that's who he is. So he basically sacrifices himself to save Steven and turns into dust or no sacrifices himself to save Mark as he's being ferried through the afterlife. And then Mark gets to the afterlife and goes, no, we can't go rescue Steven. I don't want to be in the field of reeds in paradise. We got to go save the world and rescue my good imaginary friend slash brother slash something, uh, Steven. So, him and the hippopotamus god and Layla, they all come back to reality and Khonshu um, re-bonds with them. By the way, they had fallen out of bonding because the other Egyptian gods had punished Khonshu. Um, and they fight Harrow and they imprison Amit inside of Harrow, I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was, there's a wacky, crazy climax where lots of stuff happens and people black out, so it's not even fully clear what actually happens. Um, and they essentially save the world from everyone getting killed 
by Amit and Ethan Hawke. And Mark and Stephen basically kind of reach a, uh, an accord where they obviously have to deal with this and share the same body, but they'll try to do it amicably. I'm not exactly sure what sort of specifics they reach, but, you know, they're, they're buddies now. Um, I don't know. Maybe they worked out a deal. You get the body every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. I get the body one Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, and every other Sunday. Um, I don't know exactly how that's going to work. But, but then in an um, end credit scene, um, Ethan Hawke, who thought he was kind of like, well, okay, I didn't get to take over the world, but I'm alive. Um, he's confronted by a mysterious figure who murders him in cold blood. And the mysterious figure was actually a third secret uh, personality inside of Mark and Steven's body um, who had a secret deal with Kanchu, who is still serving Kanchu to do his, you know, dirty deeds and kill people who he once killed. So he kills Ethan Hawke um, unbeknownst to Mark and Steven. I assume. And that's it. That's the end of the show. We don't know what's going to happen next. Um, but the world's saved and they're Moon Knights. They're Suit Moon Knight. Oh yeah, Steven is Suit Moon Knight. When he turns into Moon Knight, he's like in a dapper, you know, three-piece suit, tuxedo kind of thing. And when Mark turns into Moon Knight, he's in this cool, like, ninja hooded garb. So. I think they actually, uh, yeah. what is it, Steven's little dapper suit is called Mr. Knight. Versus, oh, like, right. yeah, yeah, right. yeah, right. what's it called? Yeah. Parts. As opposed to Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moon Knight, yeah. Good call. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, yeah, I think, obviously, there's a lot of happened in a six-episode series that I didn't get into too much detail, but hopefully that's got the, the broad strokes there. Um, and I think I'll mention all the main characters, and that's it. Um, yeah, that was Moon Knight. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, what did uh, what did we think about the the show? Um, you guys, what did you guys think? I, it's kind of interesting that we are doing this so much later than when it actually aired. Because at the time of airing and after it ended, I loved the show. At the time, it was, I think, my favorite Marvel show. I was so uh, on board for just the wackiness, the zaniness... And I don't even, like, not wacky and like, a <laughs> but wacky just like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's yeah. so unique and mm-hmm. and every episode is also pretty distinct and kind of its own thing. Um, the, the last episode did leave, I feel like these Marvel shows, I still don't know if any of them have nailed the ending quite so well. Um, I don't have to kind of go through and think about them all, but... Not that the ending was awful by any means. It was fine. I just, it was probably my least favorite aspect of the show. Um, but even that still didn't, you know, d- diminish my overall enjoyment of the show at large. I think Oscar Isaacs is so awesome. He's, I think, one of my favorite actors, you know, modern actors right now. He, he's fantastic. Um, I liked the setting. I liked the visuals, uh, everything about it. After a couple months have passed, though, I feel like I'm definitely a little bit more lukewarm on it, um, just because it's been a while. But I still think it's probably one of my favorite Marvel shows out of whatever. We have the seven of them now. I would still say it's probably in my top three. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this conversation will also affect my opinion. But that's my overall thoughts and take. Cool. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I'm pretty 
pretty similar to Sean. I really liked it as uh, as I was watching it as it came out. I like the mystery of it. Moon Knight's not a character I'm super familiar with. Uh, I didn't read any of his comics specifically, just mainly when he interacted with characters I read, like Spider-Man and the Avengers and whatnot. Um, so didn't have a whole lot of background knowledge behind him, so I really enjoyed like learning new stuff. And from what I understand is is it's pretty similar to, to the comics, but it just, you know, tweaks it to make it fit more in the MCU. Um, and overall, like I said, I, I think I really enjoyed it. I love the wackiness of it. Like Sean said, just like, it felt like, you know, one of the things I think is so, is so neat, or maybe it's a curse, we'll see. Uh, after the events of Endgame, after the events of, of this, the world has kind of completely changed. And so when crazy stuff like two giant gods are fighting in Egypt, it doesn't really seem to cause that many people problems. <laughs> or even the fact that people are like, oh yeah, I'm the avatar of Khonshu. Like, and Layla's just like, yeah, I'll accept that. Like, no, I'm not going to question it. Right. <laughs> so it's, it, Or the night sky we, just like, yep, rewinding. You know, spins out of control for however. You know. Which in like, a way yeah, is... Alright, I guess what's going on now. <laughs> so, exactly. I th- which is sort of a, a blessing, I yeah. think, just because that way that because yeah normally no, no like modern in the actual earth everyone's gonna have to react so over dramatically that it's like how many times can we have everyone react yeah. like yeah everyone the, just every, like, every, all right uh, i guess nice to scottish doing something yeah you want to get some food whatever <laughs> yeah i which i yeah that way we don't have to dwell on it we can just yeah it just, we just happens move on. we can we move yeah. on yeah um, but yeah, and then and then as the times uh, passed, um, I, I think it still pr- stays pretty high for me though. Um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the Marvel shows um, again, but probably like like Sean, it's definitely my top three. And then we'll have to see how Miss Marvel concludes. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's it's really neat, and I like what they did. I I really like the episodes where they're in uh, the, the asylum. I thought it was really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, I really liked it. Cool. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm not as quite as positive as you guys. I overall did like it. I, so I was um, adventuring around the world when this originally came out. Um, so I watched it when I got back, which was only, what, I guess a little over a month now. But I was so bewildered by it. I, I watched it again just, a, just this last week. Because um, it didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> um, but also, like, you know, I had just come back from the trip and I was maybe my head wasn't on straight yet for all these Marvel shenanigans. Um, but I did I did like like Sean was kind of saying, like it was it, they kind of went for it. It was it was certainly the most out there. Um, not just not just the the um, dissociative identity disorder thing, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. Um, not just that, although that kind of kicks everything up by at least a few notches um but just the way they told the story was a little bizarre um uh so that's definitely tempered my opinion of it now having watched it again i do like it better and i've noticed quite a few more things that they've sprinkled they they were able to sprinkle these little tidbits in there however i think there's a lot of connective tissue for me that it is being strained or just didn't make sense to me even ever after having watched it a, a second time and i think that's really holding me back from liking it or loving it um i don't know it probably falls 
maybe just somewhere in the middle of the pack of these Marvel shows for me. Um, but I, yeah, having said that, I did like Oscar Isaac. He, he, he does kill it and he is, he is really good. And I, I think it's, it'd be so easy to overplay and underplay mm-hmm. right the role because the, the, the character mm-hmm. of steven he's super british and like the the yeah. i don't know what how do you want to say it like the um kind of like that limp wristed uh not yeah. not a hero the character foppish kind of thing yeah. yeah um and he and i was say he probably does overplay it a little bit but to the in a way that's actually kind of charming more than it is anything else yeah so it, it works for me and of course the mark character itself isn't super interesting he's just kind of like your standard yeah, yeah. cia super secret agent yeah. tough guy insert jason Bourne insert the, exactly uh, right so i think if it was just mark it would have been so bland mm-hmm. so the, the fact that it's but then if it was just Steven, it would have been too, like, goofy. So the, the pairing of them and him being able to transition and by playing them at these kind of more extreme ends of how you would normally play characters, it it, it really makes him look like even a better of an actor, being able to switch between them. Because you, you're yeah. so convinced of it, right? Oh, um, yeah, that's some of the best part. Like, he'll, he'll switch between them in a scene. And nothing physical has happened. Like, right. you know, he, you know, but you will know. And he seems like I am so 100% sold that it's a different character. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's, it's, it, man, no, it's it, just it, so good. Exactly. And I think that's really what, I mean, really is for me, what won me over on, on this, on this series. And, and, mm-hmm. and uh, Ethan Hawke, I'll say he was really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it's, and it was, yeah, like having them kind of play off each other was pretty good too. But um, yeah, without getting, I guess we'll get into more of the details. I think I'll kind of, you'll kind of, I'll maybe help identify some issues where it was like, or maybe you can help me figure out mm-hmm. what the heck happened to this, this year's show. Because <laughs> um, a lot of it's, yeah, like I said, the, it, I mean, beat for beat, I guess it makes sense. I just. <sighs> well, I think, so part of the thing is that as I was watching it, because I didn't watch it again all the way through, uh, you know, afterwards, like, at least, uh, definitely not recently, but I did watch every episode, like, twice as it was airing, like, not back to back, but I would just mm-hmm. like, oh, that was, so, and then, oh, let me watch the next, or the last episode before the new one comes out. I think I did that for almost every episode, except for maybe the last, I don't think I ever watched the last episode twice. Mm. So, so I did watch most of the episode twice, or episodes twice, um, but I think, one, uh, what you're kind of saying, Ryan, is like, yeah, that kind of connective tissue. And I, I, I totally understand and appreciate that. I think for me, especially as I'm watching it and before it's over, was, uh, was a, you know, a, a perk, a plus, just because it was so, I didn't know what was expect. Like there was, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. It was so just like refreshingly different and, just any episode, anything could happen. And I don't know what's going to happen. And so as that stuff is happening, it's really exciting and fun because it's so weird and wild. Like, what is going on? Only They're blacking out. They don't explain it. They don't like, and I was like actually loving that they weren't explaining everything. Like that was part of the appeal for me. And I think on retrospect, now that it's all over, looking back in those things, I think those are the things that it, it doesn't make me really dislike it that much more, but it also makes me go, oh, did that ever really make sense? I don't. Right. I don't want it to be like a thing that has to be, you know, you know, airtight that holds water, and that's. A, I'm not looking for that, but there are parts where looking back, like, oh yeah, what was that? 
what was did that have anything to do with anything? What was the point of that? Right. And, you know, and there was there's moments like that, I think, on retrospect that kind of stand up. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to get into that stuff first. Um, I mean, my, I mean, my I guess my biggest question mark is the asylum slash institution. Mm-hmm. Um, so, here, let's here. I'll just get into that a little bit. So, um, Sean, during your summary, you said that Mark slash Stephen gets shot by um, Harrow, mm-hmm. the villain, and and then he enters a white asylum institution where he's in a street jacket or something and or is he ever it doesn't matter you can just get that visual yeah um and so it's like okay is this is this he's now in his his own head and he's having to confront his other personality of mark and steven but then he enters doors in the asylum that take him to the afterlife and those doors can return him to the asylum. Other doors will take him to places in his past. So where is he? What is this thing? Is it in his head? Or is it a like a construct as that hippopotamus god says? That it's, it's, she describes it as the afterlife is manifesting in a way that you can understand. And for some reason it's an asylum. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then, how does it make sense that Harrow is there? Why is the villain there? Because and yeah. you might say, well, Ryan, that's just again, it's, it's a manifestation of some maybe some inner turmoil, some inner demons and stuff. Okay, so it, it makes sense that you know Mark's um, victims or whatever we want to call them, his the people he's killed are present there. Cause that's that's an inner demon he's trying to work out, right? And and that's helping balance his scales. Yep. And that's sort of his mission while he's in the afterlife. Because according to Egyptian mm-hmm. lore, um, his hearts can't weigh, or hearts, in this case hearts, but his mm-hmm. heart can't weigh more than a feather, right? That's part of the Egyptian lore. Yep. That's really cool. And that's all tied in with Amit's, you know, scales and all this good. I loved all that. That was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. But while he's in that afterlife, Harrow is there, but his presence there isn't, it's as an external force. It's as a imposing, invading force. And if you remember, at the last scene we see in the asylum, it, it's Mark and slash Stephen sort of confronting and overcoming Harrow. So again, just, it could all be metaphored as yeah. him confronting his inner demons, except it shows Harrow walking around leaving bloody footprints. Yeah, that's a reference to the very, very, very first scene in this entire series where Harrow puts glass yeah. in his shoes and starts walking and, and, and well, yeah, puts glass in his shoes. So now we see mm-hmm. in the final episode, he's walking around, leaving bloody footprints. Moon Knight doesn't know that he's done that. Moon Knight it's, doesn't uh, know he has glass in his shoes. So I think maybe I think this is the thing with this, and this is this is where my head went with this because I, I think a version of Harrow is actually there, um, and the reason of this being because of what Ahmet's actual purpose is as a god, right? Because her purpose is well, when you when your scales don't balance, she gets to eat your heart. That's her whole thing, right? And so part of what she's trying to do, or part of what he's trying to do, is. Make sure Mark 
and Steven either gets their heart eaten or just dies, dated, whatever the case is. He's trying to push them towards that direction. And he's trying to push them away from even realizing Moon Knight was a thing, even trying to keep them trapped in the type of purgatory somehow, whatever the case is. He's worried that somehow this could possibly, he could possibly come back because of hijinks due to Khonshu and all this kind of stuff. So if I could just kind of keep him here or push him to straight death or keep his scales unbalanced and let uh, Ahmed eat his, uh, eat his hearts in this case, then we'll be fine. We won't have to deal with him anymore. So it's to some extent, I think it's Ahmed's power allowing a version of Harrow to be there. And that's like what's actually kind of pushing him yeah, I mean, a certain way or a certain direction. At least that was, that's what I kind of got from it. Your explanation makes the most sense out of any I've come up with my on my own. And it's, it's you know, it is sort of a logical conclusion. It's just that, you know, Harrow, we're, we're never told that. Right, we're never mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's one of those things, Sean, like you were saying, like you're happy it doesn't explain it. Well, but it's Harrow, one of those things where, in the moment, I was definitely like, "This is so cool." I'm kind of right. like, "Yeah, I love this. I love that episode. I love the sequence." But yeah, on retrospect, like, oh uh, yeah, what? What actually was happening? Because back in the real world, the the prime material plane, there's never any reference to that alternate mm-hmm. reality, and it it, it 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 very much feels like two separate shows at that point. Because when, once they're back in their their costume and they're fighting bad guys and doing their flips and their twizzles and whatnots, and he confronts <laughs> Harrow and they're having their final confrontation, they're staring each other down, saying villain quips and then hero quips and then villain quips and then hero quips. There's never any reference to mm-hmm. this other material plane or even a reference that Harrow can enter that plane of his existence. So it's just those kinds of things that that connective tissue wasn't there for me and it 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 sort of loses significance because of it and it, I mean maybe yeah. maybe not but it at least mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. So yeah, yeah yeah I mean I don't know where to go from that. I saw this expressing yeah. confusion and yeah yeah no i, I get what you're saying too because it, again it's like what i that's just what i figured based on what ahmed's power was and or what her role was a god as a god so like okay so maybe maybe she still has some you know because she's been fully revived at, the, at this point and so maybe she's still like trying to play around in there and and it's like ah, i just don't i just want that thing to be gone but I'm not going to put full effort into it. And maybe Harold's not even aware that this is happening. Um, and so that's why maybe he's not doing these clips. But of course, I'm just giving excuses at this point. Uh, I don't know any of this because they don't say any of it. Um, right. But no, that's but how I, I mean, rationalize it, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I do like your explanation. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know if you know if it, if it reminds you of Legion. I think it was like the second season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where like did. someone sh- fires a gun at the main character, I forget his name now. He's played by um, Dan. Dan Ma- Ma- uh, Dan Matthews. Dan. Yeah. No, that was his name in Downton Abbey. Dang it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he the guy who played Beast. Anyway, that guy, yeah. the British guy. Yeah. Someone fires a gun at him, and then it goes inside his head, and then they spend the next like two to three episodes entirely in his head as a bullet is traveling, you know. At, yeah, a millimeter that, at a time. Like, and it was a very interesting, bold thing for a TV mm-hmm. show to do. That show definitely got very unraveled because it kept pushing in that that psychedelic. Yeah, everything's inside your head. 
direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like that Moon Knight ventured in that direction. It was because mm-hmm. of a lot of good reasons. Um, so I'm, I'm on maybe one hand, they, they still tread too far, but maybe not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's go yeah, I, I definitely like that. You know, Legion's a good comparison. I think I remember a reading or someone else had mentioned that comparison. I thought it was a pretty apt comparison. Um, but I do understand, like, I, I, I also feel like I can get really annoyed when it becomes so meaningless between, you know, like, there, there's no, like, they don't set up a decent understandable rule as to like is this happening or not happening what are the rules here Mm -hmm. i I don't like i kind of said i kind of like that they don't really um reveal the rules but i still almost like want to know that there are rules like even if i haven't like sussed them out so specifically just knowing it's uh, yeah it's just like reality like you know ancient you know astronomers and stuff like knew there's like there's something going on with this universe here there's some rules about how these planets and stars are moving around we don't know what they are but we could maybe start figuring it out right but there's something right. clearly determining how these things are but right right and, when and, it feels like there's no rules at all that's where it's like well then what's the yeah yeah, yeah and if yeah. yeah exactly and to maybe just like Sean, you're saying acknowledge that there's some grounds or some bounding uh, yeah. to the rules. Like, if Harrow is inside his head and is aware that he's still kind of goofing around in the afterlife thing, that means, I mean, he sh- he could just go. I mean, go capture yeah. his body. He knows he shot him in there. Why didn't he yeah. obtain his body and say, mm-hmm. "Yeah, he's not dead yet. Let's." chop him up or i don't know <laughs> you, you kind of these I, kinds right. of things yeah, like no, where if well, harrow's aware yeah. his, his his existence has yet not yet transferred to the afterlife and they're in a world in which they're the avatars for immortal gods who can toy with life and death i think that's something you yeah you know, that should be part of the equation sure well why do you do that because <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay, exactly then. uh all right uh because i didn't write it uh <laughs> yeah. the uh I, I like Aaron's explanation, too, even though I hadn't thought of this specific question in terms of the logistics behind it. But I think I, I like that explanation, but I will say that I think I had always thought of it as just in his head. Mm-hmm. That That is not a obviously adequate answer for a lot of the reasons you kind of discussed. But I think as I was watching it and how things played out, I just kind of like, oh, I guess it was all just in his head or in his, con- you know, whatever. Um, uh just kind of manifesting it in the, these, these ways, because aside from just like the bloody footprints and stuff, um, which don't make sense. There's never, like you're saying, Ryan, there's no reference to Ethan Hawke later on yeah. saying, Oh, I didn't fool, you know, how'd you get out? Or, how'd you get out? Like just some acknowledgement that there was this other reality that I was participating mm-hmm. in with yeah. you. Right. Um, there's never, any sort of acknowledgement on that. And so I just kind of assumed like, Oh, I guess that means it was in his head, but then I guess the bloody footprints don't make any sense at all. Right. And also, I guess we've spent plenty of time talking about this, so I don't want to think I'm like, I'm really being a nitpicker about this, this dish, this issue. But when he goes back to the asylum at the end, he's already triumphed, triumphed over that, right? He's already Mm -hmm. exited the asylum and he is moon knight again and he has defeated the villain then then cut and we're now back at the asylum so why are we now back at the asylum he is he is his scales have balanced and he's back in the 
I don't does it again it, it's yeah, no, it's connecting saying, these like, two yeah. worlds like what does one have to do with the other it, it they're they're never they don't reference each other the the asylum world doesn't yeah. really reference the moon knight world moon knight world doesn't reference the asylum world what is the connection does it mm-hmm. matter anyway also that's yeah. I, I've, I've ranted enough <laughs> no i think that but that's good good point and i think that's you're you're very articulating a lot of kind of just my more ambiguous thoughts on on retrospect you know those i think you're putting into words some of my like ah, what there's something that i i can't quite mm. kind of like place why some things don't really um you know maybe it doesn't stick with me as much as i was in the moment uh but like Aaron, you said too, I still yeah. still overall like it. Uh, just because you were mentioning the bloody feet. One thing that I did, was thinking of the whole time, and was kind of dissatisfied with, um, though maybe I'm mean, being too whatever particular about it, is the whole show opens with the him, uh, with Ethan. Like that's the opening sh- scene. Mm-hmm. It's him putting on shoes, bloody feet, glass. And... Other than that scene where there's bloody footprints in the asylum, and that mean that helps them know that it's not real or whatever, um, I never understood the significance of that of him putting because that never plays into anything that actually happens in the show. You know, they don't reference it again, as far as I know. Again, in the actual like reality of the show, he's, right. there's not like a scene where when they he, when he's in his cult hideout and. Harrow's talking to Mark or Stephen, and he sees his bloody feet. Or I don't, maybe there is, but I don't remember that. But more importantly, I just don't think it made sense. Well, I didn't see why it made why it was significant for that character. Because when I see something like that, a scene like that, it reminds me of like that character from the Da Vinci Code, or you know, whatever, like you right. know, or monks that flagellate themselves and just like punt, like all about pain. But the rest of his character throughout the rest of the show never really conveys any aspect of that to his character. Right. So I never really fully understood, like, why did they open it with such a strong visual, a striking, cringy, like, oh, God, I don't want to, like, what is this? Ha-? And then it never manifests in any significant way for the character of Harrow. He's not someone who flagellates himself. He's not someone who punishes himself. He, you know what I mean? Like, at least... Yeah, it, it especially I, watching it the second time, Sean, like, I, I was like, yeah. huh, this is, this scene now seems very out of place how does yeah why is this scene even in this whole thing mm-hmm. which made me extra focused on it uh the blood the, again the footprints at the very end um yeah but yeah, yeah. throughout doesn't because he's he, yeah he doesn't really seem he, like that kind of character no like or, or even just like the idea of like oh i ha- you have it's about um ignoring pain and having a strong will like you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there's ways you could convey this idea as a character trait i just don't feel like any of those things are explored and i could be missing things or forgetting things but i don't remember ever feeling like satisfied with like oh yeah this is it makes sense why they opened with this it really paints this character it, it just kind of felt like oh it was a cool visual and then it doesn't really matter you know yeah i still like that character but just right it didn't seem like that same character from the opening scene. Yeah, I, I know what you mean because it kind of seems like you know like it's almost supposed to be like a devotion type thing, right? Like like yeah, like you're saying, uh-huh. like all these other methods of pain or fire walking or whatever the case is. But it's like, first off, is this something I meant like asked for? Like yeah, like, this doesn't yeah, exactly. quite make sense. It would make sense if this was like something I meant. Like oh, like I knew your servitude to me because of this or blah blah, blah or whatnot. But like yeah. yeah, you're right. It just 
just kind of felt like they were like, oh, we, we want to put this cool visual here to show you how devoted yeah. he is to being like a servant of Ahmed. Even though like it's not, <laughs> it's like it's never really explained yeah. why that means he's right. a strong servant of right. Ahmed by right. punishing himself like that. It's probably just a Yeah, it is an odd choice. Um, it actually then. Uh, now you just remind me of um, when when Harrow finally summons Amit, maybe it's the last or second to last episode, and she's a crocodile goddess, and she comes down and she's like talking to him, and he's all like offering himself many times to her, like in terms of sacrifice. Like he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I understand, I have to die. And she's like, no, dude, like, I'm not going to kill you. I need you. He's like, oh, I understand. So I w- I'll die later then. She's like, no, what are you like? What are you talking about? I'm not going to, you don't, I need your help. But he, and, he, and so it's, it was almost funny now, like thinking about that scene again, because he does it like three times and she keeps saying like, dude, no, what are you talking about? Well, maybe then, maybe it is just like, he yeah. for some reason has this thing in his mind where I got to punish myself and I have pain and it has actually nothing to do right. with it. Like, but but she again, Sean, they don't, yeah. <laughs> But they don't actually like explore it. it it's just, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's it is rather peculiar. Um, yeah, and like I said, it's just one of those things, especially because it's the opening of the show. It just kind of mm-hmm. stuck with me mm-hmm. as something to I was constantly kind of thinking about. Um, uh, well, I mean, I, I there's lots of things that I think that are worth discussing in terms of issues, but maybe maybe just kind of broadly kind of go through the show, not necessarily you know, every scene by every scene, but just kind of chronologically as we go and just kind of talk about other things. I think the first episode was just uh, a really strong, like it already kind of had me from the mm-hmm. beginning um, just because of, again, Oscar Isaacs is so just like endearing as the quirky, slightly over the top British guy. Um, but the way that that action scene, when he wakes up in Austria and he's blacking out and then he just blacks out, like it was, it was, if it was done with a less deft hand, and I actually will criticize it later on in the show, but less deft hand of the way he blacks out and then he just like problem solved. Like to me, it was so awesome. Like, yeah. I don't know why, like normally you would think like what they're cutting out the best parts. I want to see, but for whatever reason it worked, it totally mm-hmm. worked for me. And I was so into it in these action sequences where like he blacks out and then it's kind of resolved, but he's actually in a more precarious situation. Right. And like, what is going like I, all of those sequences, all those elements, I was really into it. And I thought it was really awesome just like striking intro to this to the premise yeah no i loved it i i on one hand you might say like sean you said like oh but no these are the action sequences this is this is an action ip i want to see action but it 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 is it's more entertaining because of a couple reasons one like sean like you said he's in a more precarious situation even if he's solved the immediate problem like yeah. a guy might have a, a gun to his head he blacks out he comes and then he comes back to he's driving a car but the car is now in reverse and he's driving in reverse <laughs> but the guy is now dead again mysteriously yeah exactly mm-hmm. so it's like oh what but they do it in such a way where you can kind of right exactly put the pieces together and that's kind of a fun mental thing because let's be yeah. honest how many times have we seen the good guy outmaneuver the bad guy like we have enough yeah. action puzzle pieces to fill mm-hmm. in the gap here like we don't yeah. need to see whatever thing they're going to come up with it's more interesting to, to not do it um, exactly yeah yeah and, and it's just so cool that like it it's counter to what you expect like mm-hmm. 
oh, well, let's cut out the best part. Like, what? Are you crazy? What are you? T- no, you can't do that. And like, no, yeah, we're just not going to even show the part where he actually, you know, kills the guy and does cool moves and beats them up and stuff. Like, what? That that that, that you would t- pitch that to someone. And they go like, no, what? That's stupid. I don't want to watch yeah. that. But it's, it's totally cool. It's worked. No, so, it, yeah. it worked for me very, very much. Um, it also it fulfills this um, tertiary objective that I think they could have they could have delivered on more strongly, and that is a way of slipping in Jake Lockley, the third personality. Mm-hmm. So there are three times, or no, maybe just twice. Um, where he blacks out and when he comes to, people are dead. Mm-hmm. And there are two times where that happens where it, if you're kind of paying enough attention or whatever, we yep. we understand that, oh, it wasn't Mark nor Steven who did this. Yeah. Um, that Jake had to come in and do some dirty work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Jake shows up pretty often early on and you just don't realize it yet. Like when right. he's when he's clearly beating the people that have with bare hands, they're like, "Oh, that that was Jake. That was not Mark." Because you understand that Mark can fight, but you see him later in fights, and he's never quite that violent. He's never like, "I'm just going to kill these people right now." Brutal, brutalized. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, exactly. So they're because of that, they're allowed to, or they're able to get in these little maybe foreshadowing. It's not quite foreshadowing. It doesn't really fulfill that literary kind of purpose, but it, mm-hmm. it does introduce. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so when Mark says, Steven, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. After someone's dead, mm-hmm. that, that tells the audience that, wait, there's something else going on here. Cause we yeah. know Steven wouldn't have done this. So there's something else going on. They, they drop the little hints. Um, and then um, they bring back the blackout, maneuver i don't know what you want to call it technique thing mm-hmm. when he's fighting Kara at the very end the final climactic battle yes. he blacks out and again we did we learn it was jake who who actually defeated it uh, or actually yeah. did whatever he does to to win because he's it's one of those situations that the finale of a superhero thing where the good guy's gonna lose but then somehow that something happens something happens and he wins well in this case yeah. the thing that happens is jake takes over his body and wins now of course it's done during a blackout so the audience doesn't get to see what happens but we under or let we again after watching it a second time i we understand it's jake that who who has done this um a little thing i want to drop into though is there is one scene in the asylum and if you remember this but it's mark is going through the different rooms and he and he there's a coffin there's a Mm -hmm sarcophagus that's banging mm-hmm. and making noise and he opens it and it's yeah. steven inside well yeah, yeah. while they're wandering around the asylum there's another coffin and it's they show it yeah. on screen for about all of three seconds and it's, it's yeah. a coffin banging and they both look at it and they just keep moving and of course yeah. That's, yeah. that's jake so i thought that was really cool i didn't pick that up on the first time so yeah they're like no for some reason those two personalities know to ignore the jake personality yeah. for some reason yeah and also right. in the asylum since you mentioned it there's one scene where it seems like it's Mark is getting all pissed off at Harrow and is like, no, this is, this isn't right. I don't belong here, Doc. If you notice, his voice is actually slightly different and it's more like a yeah. New York accent. It's because that's Jake that time. Yeah, I was pretty sure it was, oh, but I, see, I, I don't, yeah, yeah, it, I don't it's, even think I picked that up. Yeah, it, he it has was like hard a to be sure, but on I... his nose and like a little bit of like mm-hmm. blood under his eye. 
And then if you see, he mm. picks up like the little pyramid thing. Like he's he's just prepared to kill oh. Harold right there. Yeah. And it's like, well, that doesn't seem very Markish. Like, yeah, right. he's more of our hero type guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I definitely appreciate all those little drops. So you mentioned the final climax, and that was one thing I kind of that I was kind of alluding to earlier. Is as much as I throughout the show, I like the blackout stuff. I think. I, I didn't think it was awful by any means, but I kind of didn't. And on the in the climax is the only time where it kind of is like, eh, yeah, I don't want it in the climax. Like the, the it's fun <laughs> to set that up, but now that you're in the climax, you I feel like okay, you've cashed in all your chips. You have to deliver now. Like now is the time yeah. where you can't just get away with these fun and quirky subversive things now you have to deliver on something and not just because i want to see a mindless punchy action scene like obviously i don't care about just seeing another forgettable action scene but just because i want to see this character or these characters or whatever specifically deal with whatever these circumstances are and i want to see them now get like use their smarts or skills or whatever get out of the situation that clearly looked hopeless Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is the right. moment. There's no other. Just like there's no other higher stakes at hand. So all those other previous scenes, I knew it was leading something. I don't mind the spe- not seeing every specific of it because I know it ultimately isn't about him getting off this Austrian mountain. I don't. You know, I'll, I know he's going to get off. Mm-hmm. It's the first episode. I don't care. That's fun to skip these parts. But now it's the climax. This is it's all led to this. Now there's no like other thing that's going to happen after this. I want to. I want to see the specifics a little bit. Of, right putting this character to the final test uh yeah again i don't think it's awful I, you know they they obviously were setting it up so it wasn't like out of nowhere either but it did it was the one time where i was like eh, i, I kind of wish they actually you know yeah showed something it, it, yeah. and we don't really get that triumphant moment right like yeah yeah it, yeah yeah it, it, it they come back from the blackout and the battle's over and they're just kind of like okay okay well I, I guess we can leave now all right yeah, and I guess maybe they're, you know, again, maybe they're kind of doing a little bit subversive there, which I always appreciate, but mm-hmm. it just, you know, wasn't the, you know, my my mm-hmm. favorite moment. Yeah, from it. yeah and, and for me, one of the things, too, is that it seemed like clearly, it's obviously switches to Jake there, but it also seems like Jake is the most willing to accept the power of Kanju, like, to the point where he's, like, willing mm-hmm. to, like, overuse it. And I think that's how he kind of comes out of that situation, yeah. at least that's... That's my interpretation of it. Yeah. But I feel like that would that would have been the perfect moment to actually introduce Jake. And I understand the, the whole fun yeah. little twist gag at the end. But like, what a right. what a cool moment to introduce Jake. Yeah. He comes forward. He uses like the full power of the Moon Knight and Kanchu and all of yeah. their abilities and just wrecks face. And you're like, oh, yeah, shoot. that's a good point. That would have yeah, been actually, great. That's, Is, I like that idea. But uh, I, I do because I do feel like they. Yeah, I do think that because they had laid enough hints that mm-hmm. at that point it's like, okay, you know something. It's it, it's not so much a surprise. It's just we need a reveal, and it's going to happen. And they never really gave like that. The, the mid credits or end credits scene was just like, okay, I guess. But I agree. Like I wanted an introduction to this character. Yeah. I wanted a proper mm-hmm. like, okay, this is an actual character as opposed to a plot device. It kind of felt like mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the show. Um, and yeah, again, you know, just a, another kind of minor, minor quibble I have. Yeah. Uh, maybe not so minor, but just something that, you know, wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Um, uh, but all the, let's see, kind of going through, episode two was good as well. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed episode two. It wasn't my favorite. I think it was, I mean, it was good. It was, I, I, I like the kind of idea of like kind of the cults that he has, Harrow has mm-hmm. around, but I 
I also felt like that was never fully paid off in the second half of the show, like it's in the climax or whatever. Like he, like the way they're portraying this community in this London is just like, Oh, this is a utopia kind of not utopia. But you know what I mean? Like this is a functional, awesome community. That's like, there's something going on here that obviously there's something bad going mm-hmm. on there too. But you know what I mean? Like there's clearly something is they're working They're you know, um, these people who are disenfranchised and have been, you know, whatever, but they're able to build this community of mutual um, collective, you know, respect and working together for overall betterment. And I like, by the end of the show, I was like, what was the point of any of that? Like, I, I don't feel like that again, really added too much to Harrow as a character. Um, so there's this, I don't there's know. this yeah. one part later in the, in the show. And this is why I think like, cause you kind of notice like after that, like what happens to all these good people who are working with them? Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yeah. well, they, when they go to that, they go to the tomb to go like find Amit. They're like, okay, we're over here, we're, we're at this tomb. You see all those people, like a bunch of the people from the London scene, right? And they're all kind of happy and excited, and they're all like, yeah, this is great. We did it. We found this tomb. We're going to resurrect comment. This is going to be great. And then by the time, uh, I guess it is Steven and Layla show up, like a bunch of people are just dead, right? And you find out there's these mummy uh, tomb yeah. guards and all this stuff. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. to some extent, I think that Harrow used like those good people uh, as almost like okay, a like, sacrifice uh, cannon fodder. Okay. You go get yeah. killed by these guys so I can move around this temple freely <laughs> kind of thing. That makes sense. I like that. I mean, I, well, because you I don't like see having him, you don't see him after kill. that. No, and but like, yeah. oh, did, he, did he kill all those people? Or no, I, I like temple if, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I like that's good. Kind of, if you know, I, again, maybe something on rewatch that I would notice more, but I, I like that idea of kind of building that in and kind of being more like showing, who Harrow really is and mm-hmm. these all actual motives for these supposed like kind of, you know, peaceful community he's building that they're really just a means for him to, you know, get whatever else he wants. Yeah. Um, that's, that's cool. I like that. Um, uh, I like the character of Layla a lot too. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a, I, I just really liked the interaction she had with Steve, Steven and Mark. I mm-hmm. thought it's just, I mean, uh, it's just a fun. Uh, any of the Stephen Mark stuff is obviously the, my favorite part of this whole show. So anything that kind of allows the showrunners and the writers to just like play around in that dynamic, playing off of other characters, playing off of the differences and similarities, uh, the relationship that kind of was starting to bud between Stephen and her, and like I don't know, I, all of that stuff really worked for me. I I I, I liked her performance. Um, yeah, I, I was just a fan of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I really like Layla as a character and the actress, and I think, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if she's even really been anything else, or if this was kind of it, or if she's like a foreign actress or something. I had just never seen her before, but I, don't know, I yeah. thought she did a really good job, and I like the reveal at the end that uh, she was like that Scarlet Scarab, and she had her own powers, and was an avatar of was that one, the Hippo God. Mm-hmm. The Hippo I not remember that one's name, but she ends up being that avatar, and I'm like, alright, this is kind of cool. Like, uh, neat. She wasn't just like some useless like background character and even before that she you know had a bunch of stuff that she could do and was cool and was interesting and yeah yeah i I liked her a lot yeah yeah um uh the stuff in i think the third episode probably is my least favorite not because i thought it was like i was disliking it i think but a lot of the stuff that 
maybe Ryan, even you're saying the connective tissue mm-hmm. and just some of the stuff that was the largest leaps and what was going on mm-hmm. kind of was in that episode. I didn't, I thought the whole council of the gods yeah. scene was just like kind of eye rolly. Like, yeah. okay, I get that you obviously can't have things resolved here because the show right. has to continue, but mm-hmm. I felt like they could have done a better job <laughs> and not just make them all seem like idiots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's also, it has had this, like, very small, timey feel. Like, wait, so you guys are all the avatars of, like, the Egyptian gods? And you're just, like, some schlubs. Like, "Eh, we're here, (laughs) I guess. But it's felt very, yeah. yeah. Just, like, they're just going to take his word for it. Like, no, I didn't do that. Okay. Okay. You're you're in the clear. (laughs) Don't forget, Mark Spector's crazy. You can't trust crazy. That was all the argument we needed. Moving on. <laughs> Resolved. Um, so, yeah, not the big... Also, just because I feel like all these avatars, I wanted them maybe to be more actual characters. Mm-hmm. He, like, there's one or two little scenes where they talk with, I think, Mark or someone. One of them does. But but otherwise, just like, aren't these like the... I don't know. I feel like these should be not just... Aside from the schlubby avatars, just like, should they have more of a significant role in the story? I want to see them interact with the character a little bit more. Like, yeah. I want to see Osiris talk to Mark, and this is the Egyptian god Osiris. That's cool. No, they don't get any of that, though. No. Like, okay, I guess no. these gods are dumb. That was, that was, boring. I agree. That was disappointing, because I, I love, like, gods and mythos stuff like that. I always think it's so yeah. cool, and I love it when they bring in yeah. the MCU, and love how they brought it into yeah. the comics and stuff like that. And I do think it's interesting, though, because it seems like... Like, they were hinting at something specifically in this show about, like, some big fallout between gods and man that happened, like, centuries ago. And so, you know, I, yeah. I have not seen Thor Love and Thunder yet, but I, I keep thinking this is all going to somehow connect at some point in time um, with all, with, you know, this fallout, almost this breakaway. And, you yeah. know, they hint a little bit in, like, Shang-Chi, like, oh, you know, here's this race of, like, immortal beings or whatever the those people from the other dimension, like where he came from or whatnot. And they've, they've hinted at it in like, um, or not hinted at it. In Miss yeah. Marvel, they have like uh, other stuff going on. I, I won't say too much about that because uh, I don't know if you guys are going to do a show about it or whatnot, but... Um, we probably will. I have, yeah, I'm still behind. Yeah. Too. And yeah, yeah I was gonna say, I'm not sure where anyone's at, so I don't want to say too much. Mm. So they're hinting at all these different things and I'm kind of like, oh, this is interesting, but it reminds me that there's an actual storyline in the comic books about how Kang the Conqueror, like, went back in time, because that's what he does. He travels through time. Um, and he caused the rift between man and gods. Mm. And so hmm. part of me is wondering, like, oh, are they leading up Maybe to that? Like, oh, that. about when Kang goes back and causes this rift. And also the gods are all aliens in the comic books, like Thor, um, like you could imagine. They're all... Yeah, they're as guardians yeah. or aliens. They're, they're not, you know, they're... And then they're the god of whatever that is, right? They're not, like, an actual... Like, yeah. They didn't create the moon. They're just the god of that moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, I had some thoughts about that as well, and mm-hmm. obviously... We won't get into too much Thor mm-hmm. stuff, but um, when we do our Thor episode, I'm sure we'll have similar conversations. Yeah. Um, another thing about this episode, though, I... There was the 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 horse stuff. Like the, I kind of like the action. The action was cool, but I had no idea like what was happening in this sequence. Like, yeah. who are these people? Why why are they fighting them? Why do they want to kill them? Like again, it's been a little while, so I'm I'm being very flippant in my criticism because yeah. I haven't just watched it. But I at the time even felt like very confused as to like why are they fighting? Why do they want to kill them? There's there's that artifact that they're trying to 
get the clues from. And this other guy is just like fine letting them stand there, just like. But then he gets upset when something happens. I don't know. Anyway, th- that whole sequence was I had really really mixed feelings on. No. Yeah, no, I. It, 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 yeah, even I'm watching it a second time. I was like, oh, they just needed an action scene because it's yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I and thought. And that's too. fair. I mean, I I like the action in that scene. Like I said, I thought it was like, oh, it's kind of there was some fun action, I mm-hmm. suppose, horseback weird stuff. So for that, I guess it worked. But it was just like I don't I don't quite know what's going on here. Um, and the next two episodes were my favorite episodes four and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the height, like the strength of the show. Um, I had already been liking it so much, but the episode four, the tomb, yeah. Indiana Jonesy kind of stuff, it was yeah. somewhat campy a little bit with the zombie kind of creature things, but it was still just like so much fun. Tomb raiding, um, and and Mark and Steven again, the kind of dynamic of him being in that situation. Um, and then episode five, yeah, as you know, everything we were criticizing about the asylum at the time, when especially when I was watching it, and even on retrospect, I think that episode in and of itself is was awesome. I just love that episode. I love obviously finally getting the kind of pathos of the character, exploring the emotional backstory and yeah. the tragicness, and and I think it it worked for me I, at the moment when. You kind of knew it was kind of coming. Mm. You knew there's obviously something going on. They're like the, you know, yeah. the, but the full explanation was somehow still kind of like satisfying and a little bit yeah. surprising. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, just with so the, I, the, the, yeah. the how it happens, like with the mother character, yes. and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. which was pretty, pretty trauma, like pretty rough. Yeah. It was pretty yeah. rough. And I think one thing not to understate it is. How many, you know, how many times have we seen a, a parent trap situation where you know the same actor yeah. is playing two parts on the screen at the same time, mm-hmm. and and partly because obviously effects have gotten so good and the technology to do a stunt like that is pretty, you know, it's been around for a while. Yeah, but it, I think it was it was the best I've ever seen it. I think just partly because of the performance. Like I almost mm-hmm. forget. Yeah. Like wait, yeah, the, this is the same person playing off of himself (laughs) like you you watch just watch that episode again and just pay attention to those scenes and 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 then him acting against himself it's insane i don't know if they just used a double so he had someone to play against and -hmm. then they filled in with you know magic cgi magic later or what i don't know but they he did such an insane job or that whole all those scenes were so well done you you just forget is him against himself like it it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then also just like the, the way it ends with, with Steven kind of like essentially sacrificing himself, mm-hmm. even just like hits everything. Like it's an actiony kind of thing. And you know, it's obviously not going to be permanent, but just yeah. for that episode for what it is. And after you just learned who, who Steven is and what he is and kind of, and, and for it to end on that kind of it, like it really, I, I think they were just like really, really precise in how they were pulling your emotional strings there, and yeah. I thought it really, really worked. Yeah, because you, you, you realize Steven's not a real person, you know, quote unquote, yeah. not a real person, and mm-hmm. and for Mark to even go back and say, "Yeah, I, I am Mark. I am the yeah. the the owner of the body. I am the original, or whatever you want to say about it." But the fact that he went back and rescued like a, a imaginary, figurative however you want to say it i don't want to like (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. tread on something i'm not you know psychologically qualified to you know speak to but it it says a lot about both characters like you said um 
and I thought it was, it was, yeah, it was really good. I, again, this is a part where it's just superhero magic or whatever, but it's like, it, it, it's one of those things where like, Hey, wait, what happened? So Steven falls off, dies, gets turned to stone sand. Mark yeah. goes back for him, turns into stone slash sand himself, but then they <laughs> both come back to life. I, okay. You got to give me yeah. something. Now the only yeah, thing, I, yeah. they they give us one line and it's not good enough in my opinion. But the hippo god says something along the lines of, "Oh, Osiris, you do have a heart," or something, or you, yeah. oh, something stupid like that. To be yeah, worthy yeah. to return to land living. That's essentially what she something, says. something something like lines. that. And it's so yeah. like, wait, oh, okay, you can't just. Give me a line like that, and <laughs> I mean, almost literally, Deus Ex Machina, yeah. right? Right, because we have that is God saving them. Yeah, so I don't know. It just it it was. I don't know. It, it um, I didn't. Really yeah, and that's what I mean. Like this, this the last episode again. I, I it wasn't like it it tanked it by any means. No, I don't want to no, over exaggerate no, no. how much I felt about. But that those were the elements of the last episode where it just felt like, okay, I guess they just had to whatever just throw a line there we know what's going to happen they're going to get revived Kanchu's going to give him powers again there's going to be a final final fight conflict and, yeah well so okay i'm just going to slip those in here and you maybe you guys aaron you you've been pretty good so far sorting out these issues that i have <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay there's the scene where mark's in his room his mother's not slamming on the door. Open this door. Open this door. Mark knows his mom's going to come in there and beat him. Okay. And this is essentially where we see how more or less Steven is created. And the re- more, more importantly, the reason uh, perhaps that he mm-hmm. was created, right? The, the way the yeah. human brain will compartmentalize. And, and from what I remember from my psychology class in uh, junior year of high school um mm-hmm. <laughs> that's sort of the way and that um that movie who was it uh identity with john cusack thank you um <laughs> that was definitely the movie i was thinking definitely about. the one <laughs> i knew it um <laughs> but uh well it's good enough I, um <laughs> the reason why the human brain might uh you know cognitively develop a, 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 yeah, an yeah. alternate identity um, to to handle these stresses because mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's just you know the human brain is just this magical crazy thing that will do things like this right mm-hmm. yeah so okay let's this all just accept that and that's great um, so we see the scene play out he he switches to the Stephen Stephen personality because the stress is building he knows his mother's coming in there to beat him. He then switches to the Stephen personality, and the child actor start, puts on a British accent and starts cl- cleaning up, right? Yeah. Because Stephen's type A. Mm-hmm. It is at this point that the mother enters the room and begins beating on him. Now, okay, everything I just explained should make zero sense to you. Because it is Mark who contains the memories of his mother beating him. Stephen is the one who is ignorant of it. Therefore, this scene makes no sense. So I had that. I remember thinking that exact same thing uh, shortly after. Just like, wait a second. Why? Because Stephen's the one who thinks he's calling his mom. 
who thinks right like he's the one mm-hmm. like i've talked to my mom's not like he yes. thinks he has a good relationship with his mom right. um and i it, it's gonna be a no prize if anything but it almost feels like in my mind or what i interpreted it as is that steven almost has his own version of a cognitive not not as not a separate uh identity but a uh traumatic way of misremembering and forgetting these things from happening does that make sense it doesn't explain why mark remembers except mark would know you know, before he created Steven, he would know that this had happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he knows that whenever he blacks out, he could presume that something had happened. Um, but you would still think that Steven would have these memories of being beaten by his mom and obviously not have the relationship he thinks he has with her. But in my, so I interpreted that as Steven going, well, this is so awful. But instead of creating another, another personality, well, I am just going to basically create my own reality of this fake mother who I that does not exist and I who I have a good relationship with well d- granted that we're dealing with some some gnarliness here I think Sean you, yeah. you're on the right track except that <laughs> he does do that I think the only way to explain this is that he does create Jack um, Jake Jake oh that yeah, yeah that's a good so 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 that's a good yeah that's actually a good it's the point. only Maybe way that can make sense except for again the fact that Mark contains the memories that's what doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, the fact, and he does say, he even says, again, sort of quoting here, you know, he says, Stephen, don't look, right? During this, don't look, don't look. That's the whole yeah. point of you. The whole point of your existence yeah. is, was to, was so you didn't have to bear these. these yeah, these so you could memories. have a except that, normal life. Right, except that again, the way that scene plays out, it switches to Stephen right as he's getting beaten. So it, it really doesn't make yeah. sense. It, the only- it's basically his saying, like, I don't want to remember this, even though I can actually remember it, but you should remember it, but I don't want to, like, remember it, like... Yeah, it, it, because- it's, it's, it serves only to confuse the audience further. Hmm. It, well, it only serves to confuse the audience further if you actually are going to think about it. I think most people aren't going to think about it. And, and, and you know what I mean? Like, not to be condescending to most people, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I think it, 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 it it's a... It's a fake sense it makes it's you know one of those things just this hyper reality where it looks real and looks like it makes sense but it wait a second it doesn't quite make sense at least not with way not with how they've kind of explained the premise and and whether they there's more to it or not and are like i said no prizes or maybe that's how why jake was created sure but we are having to presume that mm-hmm. there's nothing in the show necessarily right. that is because right. like, I think yeah, that the way that. that scene was written was was done so in the mind of the writer as being clever, as in like, yeah. oh, this is a yes. clever way to explain how the Stephen and Mark relationship mm-hmm. works, and I don't think they yeah. thought about Jake at all during yeah. that scene. I, yeah, yeah, I think I I agree though. I think if you ask, you know, it's one of those things like, oh. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh sure, yeah, that he turned to Jake. Like it doesn't right. mean it not what happened, but I agree. I don't think that's what they were thinking as they were writing. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was thinking about with this actually. Um, part of me wonders, and again, it might just be reading here, but part of me wonders is is it because in this asylum they obviously see Jake's coffin, right? At any point in time, they could have gone to open it yeah. and talked to Jake, and he would have been another person. They would have had a balance, which also is kind of weird when you think about it, because. How come they're able to balance the scales with just the two of them instead two of hearts. also the mm-hmm. third heart that third is Jake? Hearts, yeah. um, but 
that's just another thing. But part of me wants, or part of me thinks that maybe Mark's actually misremembering this. Maybe Jake is the one who's actually there at that time and is going to get the beating because they don't seem to want to acknowledge Jake. So maybe he's like, oh, I know, I know it created a personality then. It must have been Steven. Well, maybe he made huh. Steven at another point in time, or maybe Steven was also... Well, you know, I would... No. I, I like that idea, although that he does... The kid does have a British right. accent in the moment, but... But I, uh, that'd be an interesting because that would also help explain the character of yeah. Jake, right? Like, not that all... Like, that, that's a very overgeneralization. I'm not saying all abused people then grew up to be psychopaths. But I think in the context of fiction and show, I think that's a very common string that people do. Right. Um, and I think that would potentially be like, oh, he's the one who actually was the one who remembers all this abuse mm-hmm. and that somehow like kind of turned him into the person he is now where Mark thought he was creating Steven, but then, you know, Steven was just kind of like this weird buffer around Jake. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're obviously projecting. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're trying to figure things out. And, and really it's all based <laughs> on the theory I have that Jake acts like Steven throughout the first parts of the show several times. Oh, um, and you, and you, it's not actually Steven. I was say you can like you can tell like who asked that woman out. Well, obviously it wasn't Mark. He's married, so it was probably Jake. But was he acting like Jake or was he acting like Stephen? You know that kind of thing. I, I was like, wait, wh- why? Why was that the oh, case? Yeah, and then right. there's that's a good like, point. For some reason, I was just point. assuming it was. I was just assuming it was Mark. Me but too. You're right. Mark probably would not have asked someone out. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mark would be the, is the more charming like person. So I, I think I just made that connection. But you're right. Like I don't think it would have been yeah. Mark's character to ask ask someone out. Um, so yeah, maybe it was Jake in, in those kind of cases and stuff. But and it is like kind of like scene... it's, it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say there's there's the other one that's well, that's weird too is like when they're going into the tomb and actually when the scarab. Then when he's trying to give the scarab to the guy, uh, to Harrow. Oh, yeah. You see the hand just moving, just going all those other places. And so you're kind of like, what the heck? Like, what is this? And so you always assume it's Mark. Um, or, you know, at that time, you assume it's Mark. Yeah. But then I realized, wait a second, I think this is probably Jake. Because, again, I think Jake is the most connected to Conchu. And so he's he's the one most wanting to carry out Conchu's will. And I think he even knocks out Steven when they're going down in the tomb and then proceeds to act like Steven for a bit. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that's definitely... Uh, and if, so, if, I'm sure and, I'll rewatch it at some point. So and that's one of those things, things I kind of want to go back and like rewatch it because I, yeah. you know, I haven't watched it since it came out, but yeah. I, I did watch something like refresh my mind, like a, just a summary of the thing. And I was like, oh yeah, there was yeah. these weird scenes and that kind of stuff. And so I was thinking about those and I was like, huh... I wonder if this is the case, like, Steve, you know, Jake sometimes acts like Steven, um, and yeah, he maybe Steven is this weird buffer between Mark and Jake, um, and that's, and, you know, maybe they're just both are like, no, we don't, we don't know who Jake is, like, because that's the bad part. That's, you know, yeah. actually, when you think about id, ego, and superego, that's, that's the id, like, we don't want to acknowledge that's our dirty, basic instinct self, and we hate it. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it definitely makes me want to kind of revisit a little bit, especially also some of the lot of stuff, Ryan, you were saying too, mm-hmm. but just like kind of go back through it more, more, re- you know, sort of just based on memory from months ago. Um, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, is there any, I mean, and we, we've talked about the last episode uh, a good, de- well, we were just talking about someone mm-hmm. now, but like um, trying to think of, 
Anything else that we haven't really touched on that I wanted to? You know, anything else though that you guys wanted to bring up? Um, the only the like it, it was so you know the the villain always has like some uh, philosophical or moral agenda that is you know sort of sounds good in mm-hmm. in the most yeah, idealistic and, whatever yeah, blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. And sometimes, if it's written well, I like to think, you know, that the hero not only defeats them physically, but defeats them, you know, in the, yeah. in the most in philosophical, idea- ideological the, sense. Yeah. Like, and, uh, I, and I think that because they, they, they kind of figured out, well, she, you know, the Amit's agenda, Hero's agenda, you know, fits that criteria. But they just said, well, but it's so it's so idealistic and preposterous that we'll yeah. we'll just kind of we'll just put that on the wayside, like like second episode in, or maybe maybe it was third episode. Yeah. But yeah, when um, Stephen and it, I love that it's Stephen, right, confronts him and it doesn't he doesn't really even confront him. He's just there yeah. and he starts like, asking uh-huh. questions. He's like, wait, so you guys are all cool with killing children? Yeah, that doesn't seem good. <laughs> yeah. And so it was just yeah. like you know, kind of defeats it right off the right off the bat. Um, mm-hmm. And then the rest of it's just you know the other stuff we have to get through. Um, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. They don't ever really ever bring it. I mean, they bring it back a little bit when Amit is actually you know the goddess Amit yeah. is talking to the god of um, Khonshu, and they're fighting, which was fine. I mean, it's kind of cool. There's also just that there was a semi kaiju <laughs> yeah, battle. Yeah. It's like oh, there's a big so old kaiju was, fight out of nowhere. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, that was fun. That was definitely fun. And I don't I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. Is it? It oftentimes I'm I'm always left kind of wanting more on, on these kinds of fronts. So yeah, yeah I actually I, I I agree. Like the the kind of like idealistic sense of the of the villain's motive that we often like you know whatever like Killmonger or mm-hmm. or even Thanos to an extent. Right. Well, this is actually kind of similar to Thanos a little bit in that it's so extreme. But right. whatever, Killmonger or whatever those villains that we kind of resonate and you feel like yeah there's they have a point and there's something like um this is so like so clearly like that's not gonna work on any level like it's not a ideology that anyone could really honestly believe and so i agree they kind of but what i feel like i so i agree like the the resolution specifically with amit and harrow was not as um you know, whatever rewarding in terms of that aspect of it. But what I feel like ultimately ended up being the more interesting kind of more idea, ideological or philosophical conflict is with Conchu, mm-hmm. who I think by the end, you mm-hmm. kind of reveals like, Oh, Conchu is actually just as much a manipulator as any of these other, well, Amit specifically. And at large, this idea of gods controlling people and yeah. doing their bidding and stuff. And I think that's what actually to me kind of felt Again, I don't know if they necessarily delivered on every aspect of that in the, right. in the finale, but they delivered on that aspect of it more satisfyingly than the Ahmet stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. I completely agree. Like, I I loved the the Conchu character. Actually, was was I'm glad was an actual character. Um, yeah, that they mm-hmm. were able to develop and explore. Um, and then, yeah, he, that he was manipulating each version of. Mark, Stephen, Jake, to yeah. kind of yeah, it would tell them yeah, oh yeah, I'll, if, if you're not my avatar, then I'll just take Layla. When of course mm-hmm. you know he he was just saying that to you know 
manipulate, manipulate them, them. Yeah. get them to do what he wants. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because so, he always so had Jinx in his good. back pocket. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's it was it was definitely interesting, and I think it would have. You know, if we saw a different version of this story play out, where Aaron, like you were saying, Jake is 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 introduced, we'll say, mm-hmm. in, in true form during the final fight, and then there's a like a little bit of a acknowledgement from uh, Stephen and Mark about the manipulation, and but by that time, you, you know, that's when the story is kind of concluding, so we don't ever see them confront Conchu uh, or anything like that. Which would be, mm-hmm, yeah. because that that opens a whole nother can of worms, so yeah. didn't want to do that. But yeah, that would have been a, and then really put on a spotlight that hey, Conchu is actually pretty screwed up, and maybe he's actually the true villain here. Yeah, mm-hmm. as opposed to just giving us a little right for such a big quote unquote reveal, like it that has to do so much with Conchu's character to save it for um, the post credit scene. Yeah, where yeah. you know what I mean. The post credit scene for me leads into the next story right it's the mm-hmm. it's the teaser for the yeah. next story not a cliffhanger for the current story right exactly. that, it's, and it's also weird because this is supposedly just a, they're classifying it as a limited series not a i don't think there's going to be a season two from my understanding and stuff mm-hmm. so that also is just kind of and, and 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 i don't think that was like a surprise like i think they knew that going into this so that they would end it in that way also just also feels more tacked on i guess you know, whatever Oscar Isaacs or whatever Moon Knight show up in potential other things, maybe. I mean, I would like that, yeah, I, I suppose, but it does definitely in. feel unsatisfying in the way it ended, specifically with that little bit. Yeah, you were saying you think he's going to be in something. Yeah, like I was going to say no, no, I agree with you guys also, but I, I, I was remember as you were saying, I think he's going to be with Blade and Black uh, uh, Knight sure. and the Black Midnight Knight. Suns or whatnot. That's a pretty popular, okay. like, super... They're like a superhero team fighting supernatural things, specifically. So that yeah. he would pretty much fit in there, and I kind of wonder, actually, if if uh, they'll uh, either address oh, Khonshu okay. there, or even if they'll just give Moon Knight another season to address the situation, but uh, I'm kind of wondering that. But yeah, they, he kind of fits in that, that whole category with those guys, and I can't remember if there's someone else in there. Actually, there's plenty of other members, like Iron Man's and they're randomly sometime, Doctor Strange, but hmm. um, those three are kind of like core. So my guess is that they're okay. all leading towards a Midnight Suns thing. Yeah, that's cool. Well, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them, but I sounds cool to me so far. I like Moon Knight, and I don't know how Blade's going to be. I like Kid Harrington. Yep. <laughs> I don't think you think of it. I like Kid Harrington. Can we have gotten I, more I, of him I, in the Eternals? Yeah, exactly. I wish I had more of him. Yeah. Um, well, that actually leads kind of maybe kind of a question I had too is that weird, not weirdly, but this show, I think more than any other shows, obviously, but more than most any Marvel thing feels more removed from the MC. Mm-hmm. There, there were, and, and in some ways, I respect that. And I like that, yeah. that there weren't all these little fan service y character cameos or references. And so, like, as far as I know, I can't think of any. I'm sure there was, and I'm just drawing a blank here or there, but vague, probably vague references to something or another. But ultimately, the only thing that I kind of remember is like that when he works at the British Museum, it, it definitely, it's like, is this intentionally kind of like the same location that, um, what's her name, works at in uh, Eternals? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, right? Uh, she works at the British uh, Museum too, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Cersei, yeah. So I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. 
but obviously they don't make a direct mm. reference. But other than that, I, I, there was like no direct reference to anything in the MCU. Yeah, they didn't talk about the snap. Um, they didn't talk about yeah. You know, oh, Thor's off doing something or what? I mean, feel like that'd be easy name drops since we're talking about Egyptian gods. But yeah, they just didn't do anything. Yeah, that. right. Or even just like the Eternals. Yeah. Like, it's not, still no one's <laughs> reference in the Eternals that there's now a giant dead god peeking out of the Earth's water. Like, I want someone to reference that. Jeez. And I thought this one, again, because of the British Museum at the beginning, I felt like, oh, maybe they'll, like, kind of reference they're talking about gods mm-hmm. and, like, kind of like, there's there's an opportunity. Nope. Nothing. So, um, again, I, I, it's not a criticism by any means. It's it, it's just interesting that they chose not to do anything yeah. with the MCU in this. Yeah. yeah. I agree. <clears throat> um... Cool. Well, I mean, those are. I think. I think we kind of hit on all of my general thoughts. I don't know. Is there anything else that? Uh, no, I, I think that was kind yeah. of all I had to to really discuss with it. I mean, I kind of came in with um, a little more lukewarm feelings. Um, so I don't know. If, I think. I think I'm just more firm in the lukewarmness. Like I, <laughs> I, I like I said, I I didn't yeah. like it. Just yeah, I didn't. I didn't love it. I think more so because i was conf- like it's, it's yeah. more of like this swirling pool of or which i usually do like the more amorphous or like just kind of ambiguous stuff mm-hmm. like I, i'm a fan yeah. of it but for some reason this one it was again it was it's the, the connective tissue wasn't as strong um even if the nouns were you know the nouns weren't as firm i don't mm-hmm. know <laughs> yes. um yeah i i guess maybe my my overall liking of it has been tempered a tiny bit, but I still, I still, I mean, we, our overall conversation, I don't think has been at all necessarily super critical, but I do feel like we've definitely dived into some more critical Mm -hmm. aspects of it. But overall, I think my feeling still is pretty, is really strong and positive overall, just because, yeah, I I can't even like justify all those kind of things you're talking about, Ryan, because I also agree with them, but I think the stuff I like about it is just so strong. I think Oscar Isaac, the relationship, that dynamic that we you know, it was so interesting, but also just like the setting and, and, and just even kind of the rhythm and pace of the show, I think set itself apart. Um, and maybe, you know, that they didn't reference any of the MCU in some weird way also kind of helped it in my mind that I, it, it felt so original and new that it didn't feel part of the same world. I mean, I got, it did, but you know, it didn't feel like, Oh, why don't they just ask the Avengers to help? Mm-hmm. Or why don't they just like right because it was its own thing and never made reference to that? I think it it just kind of was so encapsulated and this this kind of little package that worked, I think, on its own. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to do another season or whatever, but I definitely want to see more of of Oscar Isaac. Like that's a I I really want to see more of him in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be a shame if this is the only thing we got of Oscar Isaac in the MCU, which I don't think that's the case, but. Um, so yeah, a little tempered. Probably not my favorite MCU show, um, but I still think probably higher than half at least. You know, still up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I'm, you know, I'm uh, not as hot on it as I was previously, but I still like it a lot. I agree. It's and again, Oscar Isaac is just fantastic. And you know, like I said, I, I do hope they they go towards this Midnight Suns thing because they could. I would just love to see him interact with yeah. the team and actually That's take cool. a step into the Marvel universe, like much more so than what he's, you know, how the show kind of kept him in his own little bubble and whatnot. 
Um, I just think it'd be really interesting to see Steven and Mark interact with people <laughs> because that was kind of the yeah. best whenever that happened. Yeah. When he's swapping between the characters and interacting with them. It's yeah. like, oh, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think overall, I still really liked it. But um, uh, yeah, tempered a little bit as well, like you, Sean. Well, good. I'm glad I could uh, at least in part ruin the show for you guys. So. <laughs> Dang, Ryan. We're in for it. <laughs> Ruin stuff for anyone. Um, if you like Jurassic World Dominion listeners, sorry. <laughs> no. uh, yep, that's that's Ryan. <laughs> um, well, cool. I mean, we don't have any emails this week. Um, listeners, you didn't do your job. You didn't hold up your end of the bargain, listeners. We had a deal. We had a pact, just like George and Jerry getting married. Um, <laughs> yep, that was, that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Actually, I mean, they said George. I mean, he said, yeah, he says it. George repeatedly. says it a bunch of times, but then when Jerry gets yeah. engaged and then George's fiance dies, <laughs> then that's the that's the punchline out of like know. you know a whole season it's building season up. Season long. This. Yeah. 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 Uh, wonderful. Yeah, I didn't mention Chuck Fire, but I have been rewatching, going through Seinfeld. Oh. Man, that's candy. That's a that's a bag of Pringles, a can of Pringles that they're constantly eating in the background of <laughs> Jerry's apartment. <laughs> uh, episodes of Seinfeld, just constantly watching. Uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, listeners, write us, in, write us, tell us what you thought about Moon Knight. I know it's been a couple months, but hey, rehash these memories. Mm-hmm. Um, why not? Um, looking forward to your thoughts. Um, and I guess when, oh, by the way, we didn't mention Chewie's not here, listeners, if you didn't notice. <laughs> what? Uh, sorry, we didn't mention that, but Chewie's not here. He's off. He's now gallivanting around the world. Um, he'll be back, you know, soon, um, after he gets back. In the meantime, we'll, we'll keep putting out a few episodes. Chewie, though, if you're listening, write in. Be our correspondent yeah. from abroad. Tell us your thoughts on Moon Knight. Give, tell yeah, us what tell movies you've about. seen in French language. <laughs> Or yeah, exactly. Tell us what are they watching in Ireland? How do how do the Irish folk feel about Moon Knight? Did you watch the Spanish uh, translation of um, Thor? Die Hard. I mean, yeah, or, yeah, the Crystal Jungle. <laughs> the Crystal Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, what can listeners look forward to? Uh, well, we will do do a Thor episode, so that should be pretty soon. Um, we, we felt that it's been three months with Moon Knight. We got to at least get that out before Thor. Um, so we'll stay tuned for a Thor episode. And what else did we talk about, right? We're, um, do, uh... I'm sure there's other movies coming. <laughs> well, Miss Marvel, we'll probably do a Miss Marvel. Oh yeah. We'll do a Miss Marvel show, which is actually ending, I think, pretty tomorrow. Very soon this week or next yeah. week or something tomorrow. So yeah, we'll look probably to that one. have, look over to that. Maybe an episode on Nope, the Jordan Peele film, which I'm very excited for. Very look, looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows? You know, and then the rest of the summer, I'm sure there's plenty of content for us to talk about. Comic-Con's coming up, so who knows? Maybe some crazy stuff goes down at Comic-Con that Ryan and I will be able to break news on on this cast. I mean, this is where everyone comes to hear latest news. Yep. So. <laughs> Um, what else? Well, uh, thanks for joining us, Aaron. Thanks for pinching in yeah, at sure. the last minute and helping us talk about Moon Knight. It was a lot of fun. I do love these from Marvel, so I'm always down to talk about it. 
is there do you have anything to plug is, where can listeners uh, <laughs> hear hear more of Aaron Ruiz or see more or interact more with Aaron? Uh, I don't really have much to plug. You can find me on Instagram. <laughs> that's about it. At Code What's your Monster Hunter Rise screen name so they can kill yeah. monsters? With you? Oh, same thing, actually. Oh. Code a one three eight. Go ahead and find me there and you can kill some monsters with me. Although I got to get sunbreak, um, which I heard stepped up the difficulty back to good old fashioned. Everything is awful and painful, Monster Hunter, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good awesome. news. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, do, when you're playing from software games, Aaron, do you play on? Like, do you invade people's lands and, or you know, have people join you? And do you like Rain? Or when you played through some of the games, did you ever engage in any of that aspect? Of it? I did it once, but then I was like, "What's the point of this?" Okay. I, I did it the most in Elden Ring um, because I think they just have okay. plenty of players playing it right now. So it was a lot of sure, fun. Yeah. Um, and I did some invasions, but I, I mainly just uh, left myself open and beat people up when they came in. Oh, cool. Well, then there you go, listeners. Maybe if you are play, if you played Elden Ring or are playing Sekiro, I assume they do it in Sekiro yeah. as well, some aspect of it, then maybe you could invade Aaron's game or you could invade yours. <laughs> you could fight each other. There you go. um also uh well ryan do you have anything to pitch (laughs) oh uh sure if you love hearing the high-pitched nasally fast-talking sound of my voice you can find it (laughs) on another podcast that i guessed it on called the young jedi knights club um, where we review, or I was the guest, but they review the Young Jedi Knights books um, that came out in the 90s. That was They're about the, the Solo twins, Jaina and Jason, um, as well as Lobaka, Chewie's nephew, and some other folks as they learn how to become Jedi Knights and fight bounty hunters and dark Jedis and other fun stuff. So you can find me on the recent, most recent episode of that um, for the book Delusions of Grandeur, which also stars, or the hosts are Sam Seamer and Sam Stobold. So check it out. Sam Seamer. You said Sam Seamer. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, Cam. <laughs> uh, yeah, I listened. It was a good, good listen. A lot of fun. Um, if you're up for some old Star Wars EU... And 90s nostalgia, head on over and listen to that. Right? You talk about Comic-Con there. And you talk more about your Nepal trip. If you want to hear about more about yes. Ryan's Nepal trip, you could listen to that. Yep, episode. that's another chance to hear me twiddle more bits about... Wait, what am I doing? What did you say I was doing about Nepal? I was tit- tidbits. Another yeah. tidbit tidbits, for Nepal. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can piece the full story together, listeners, if you listen to all of Ryan's like appearances and, you know, chunk fires and such about his whole journey so uh, <laughs> um cool well and then anything else i think that's it are we done have we moon knighted are we are our avatars uh, I, bonded? I just looked outside the window and the moon is now full so we can conclude our business oh nice all right cool well, let me rewind it for 2,000 years and not have anyone mind, and then we'll uh, get on our cool white suits. Sounds good. Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. This has been After the Credits, a Young Chunks podcast. <laughs>